Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brother and sister today that we are able, Lord, to get into your word once more to fellowship together. Lord, that you have kept them um, doing well, Lord. And in spite of what attacks we're all facing as members of the body of Christ, near and far, that you have kept us and preserved us, that you have given us your wisdom, that you have given us your discernment, that you have placed your joy, Lord, upon us, that we may not fall into the snares of the devil, that we may live in victory, Lord, in triumph in Jesus' name, Lord, and not oppressed by our circumstances. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you bind every foul spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, doubt, and unbelief, every spirit, Lord, of pride, every spirit of hate, Lord, every spirit of deception, every spirit that is anti-Christ, Lord, despair and suicide and murder, all these things, Lord, that have plagued people, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you take it away. And Lord, I'm asking as we truly walk as the sons of God, that we understand what our inheritance is in you and that we may act accordingly. Because if this thing isn't real in our faith, Lord, then we can't be considered what you want us to be. Without faith, it is impossible to please you, Lord. So I'm asking that we walk in your faith and not by sight, not in accordance with our circumstances, not with how many failures we've had in the past. We are talking about believing you, Lord, every step of the way. Even if there is a mission impossible, Lord, we know that you can get us through. And Lord, I'm just asking that you place no, that we place no confidence in the flesh. I'm asking that no flesh be glorified. I'm asking that your spirit of teaching come upon us, Lord, that we may learn of your word. But Lord, we know that unless you do it, Lord, it just simply can't be done. So Lord, let us honor you. Let us cherish you. Let us worship you to the best of our ability. And Lord, let you be pleased in today's teaching, for you are going to be the one teaching. Lord, I'm asking that we don't utter words that don't come from you. But I'm asking that all be clear and understood, that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears of those who can't hear. And I just pray for the brethren, Lord, that are out there struggling. I pray for the sisters that are in the fight next to the brethren. I pray, Lord, that those that we go out and we minister to and those that are homeless, those that we feed, in Jesus' name, Lord, will you pour out a blessing, Lord, and bless them, Lord, that this work may continue, that they may grow in you, Lord, and become sharp in you. For you never meant for anyone to fail. You meant for us to rise above our circumstances, to have our minds transcend time and space, that we may truly be born again and be resurrected on that last day in your glory. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true. And you are worthy of all praises. Lord, do it for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called The Law of Liberty. As I know that um, this is something I wanted to get to for a while. I know we've been covering things concerning the law. We've been you know, dealing with things concerning grace and faith. And hopefully we'll have a better understanding of what the law of liberty is tonight. Because I'm not relying on myself. You know, I'm just hoping that the Lord will make it clear 
um, a lot of people, when they come out of the world, they, um, you know, we're, we're said to come out of bondage, come out of the things that the enemy tries to hold us in. And then we step into the place like the wilderness, and, you know, in many cases, instead of us running right to Jesus, we run straight into religion. We go and we find our nearest church or anything that we can get into, and that's where we rest a while until, you know, the Lord really delivers us when we really understand what relationship is. And you hear many times in this word, growing in grace, saved by faith, not of not lest any man should boast, you know, and I think that a lot of people don't really understand what that means because you'll have people one minute say, okay, you're being free, you're not under religion, you're not under the law, we are of the spirit. But then you go before people and you tell them, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. If you're not worshiping this, then you're not considered a Christian. And that's kind of going right back up under bondage and not letting the law of liberty work. Right. So I think that and then some people will say, well, you know, we're not under Levitical law anymore. And then they go, and I mean, off into the deep end. It's like the question would be, why are you even saved? I mean, if this is how you're living and you're, you're, your life is no different than the world, then God can't condemn the sinner if the saint is just like the sinner. Okay, right. so we're going to dive into this tonight and hopefully have more understanding about the law of liberty because even though this is a law, you know that there are rules that go according to certain laws. And and what the law of liberty, I think, sums up best is letting the Holy Ghost work. Mm -hmm. Letting the Spirit of God work on you while you, through relationship with Jesus and through His grace, be transformed into the image that He wants you to be. Exactly. Now, I know I'm going to lose a lot of people, you know, considering this because people will think, well, aren't, well if there were no law then people would just do whatever they want. Not so. You know, there is a way that the Spirit works with us that we may be transformed into doing what the Lord calls. And we all know it's not do's and don'ts. It is a nature change that only the Holy Ghost can give us that we can follow along with Christ. Exactly. Rules themselves have never done the job. And I think what's going to, um, you know, if I'm talking to a carnal mind, you're going to say that's just not possible. But hopefully today we'll be able to get through with that. So if anyone has anything to say, anything to add, any questions, if not, let's go on to uh, James chapter 1. We're at James 1 again. But it's just funny how you can run over certain scriptures and then, you know, you're not going into the same words you were looking for. You're now explaining something else. Right. And that's why you really do have to chew on this word because, man, there's just so much nutrients. You know, uh, Pastor Gino Jennings calls it the recipe, you know, the recipe book. He said there's a lot of good grub in there. And I would agree with him. There's just so much. All right. So it says, uh, we'll start at verse 17, James 1 and 17. And it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So right now, we understand that God works with us in the truth. Okay, God cannot be separated from the truth because he would, he would deny who he truly was. 
The truth is a nature that is of God that he imparts to man and, and hope that we change according to his word. Verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Those are just words of wisdom, not a bunch of rules. Verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, the teaching we did last week on the broken and contrite heart, we understand that what God was doing was, you know, what we learned in that teaching is that when we come to the end of ourselves, then God can work with you and I. Okay, as long as we have a plan B, as long as we have hope, if we got some flesh involved, we interrupt what the Spirit of God tries to do with us. Jesus in the wilderness, when he wanted to, when he was asked by the um, Satan to uh, make these stones into bread, Satan said, I mean, Jesus said, man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when Jesus came to the end of himself and his wants and his desires, and he obeyed the Father, you know, in total obedience. Then you saw Jesus later in, in Matthew 14 was able to make bread for others. Okay, so when you come to the end of you, God can fill you and then you can do for others. But as long as your flesh or your desires or your wants or your mind is, is present, it will dismiss the things that God wants you and I to have. So that's what he's talking about, putting these things away so that our souls may be saved through meekness. You know, meekness is a type of humility mm -hmm. that we need to have before the Lord. When we recognize, Lord, you are everything and I am nothing, that is a vessel that God can work through. When Solomon was out doing his thing and, and you know, he came to the Lord and he said, you know, I am but a child. I don't know whether to go in or come out. Mm -hmm. That was one of the few times that the Lord said that, well, the Bible says that the Lord was pleased. Okay, so it pleases God when we are as children before him so that we can do those things that are right. So then he says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, uh, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So we understand that if you want to be a part of the perfect law of liberty, they're saying that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Because once we hear the word of God, we are now accountable for what we have learned. If what we know in God's word is the truth, then to ignore that or go beyond that makes you accountable. And that's why the Bible says that God has dealt with our, us in our ignorance for a season. But then he calls all men to repentance. So the more you know, the more you are accountable for knowing. And some people will say, well, I'm not ready to do all the will of God. Okay, well, what are you going to do to get ready? You can't just sit up on the beach and pretend that nothing is happening. You have to be a willing vessel to seek those things that God wants. Why? Because once you know, you are totally accountable. You can't blame this on anybody else. So we understand the perfect law is to do the will of God. Not to do our own will, but to do what he calls us to do. So, you know, that's why a lot of people take their lives for granted. And they really do think that somehow they can live in this world and be all you can be. 
and not do what the Lord says. The, the law of liberty is pretty much a law that is outside of the law, outside of the Mosaic law, where you had to do everything within a structure. If you missed it, you paid for it, one way or another. You know, I, it didn't necessarily mean um, death, but, you know, that, would, that could result from that. So when we go through the law of liberty, okay, now we're not under a bunch of rules and regulations. But now that we have this free time, we should go according to what God wants. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, how is it that you want me to live my life? What kind of man or woman do you want me to be? Those things are so important, but people take the law of liberty and say, well, we're not under Levitical law, so we can go out and do whatever we want. And as long as I'm not robbing, killing, or doing anything else... I'm still within God's law. And you know what? That's just not so. Because what God is looking for with you and I is a change in nature. God wants to see Jesus Christ formed in us. And if Jesus didn't waste time and play around, then who are we to do so? Mm -hmm. You know, and if he is the perfect example, and then you look at the disciples who followed him in the early church, I didn't see anybody playing around. I didn't see anybody taking their time and doing what they want. If anything, you saw otherwise. You saw them not wasting time with the world and doing what the Lord told them to do. So even when Paul says, many days I was tired, I was hungry, I was naked, I didn't have this and I didn't have that, it didn't seem like Paul did everything he wanted to do. No. Some days Paul had to go many miles without food, without shelter. But these are things that men of God that are driven by the Spirit of God must do. Now, I don't want to get off into the extreme side, but I'm just saying here, that the point is, is a lot of people mistaken the law of liberty as something other than what it is. The law of liberty is simply the law of the spirit. Okay, and when you go according to the law of the spirit, you are going to obey everything that God does. Now, everybody looked at Levitical law as hard. To be honest with you, in some ways, it was kind of easier because you had rules laid before you and what you need to do. But the law of the Spirit is, is for mature people. It's for an accountable people. It's for a people that, hey, not only do you have to do this, man, you got to have a change in heart to walk this out. Your thoughts have to be like God's thoughts. Your ways have to be as His ways. So, you know, in some ways, I'm not going to say it's harder, but you've noticed many times that Jesus elevated the law into saying, now, if you look at woman at a woman with adultery, you have all, I mean, a look at a woman in lust, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So God is expecting something to be done better. Okay, you're not going to be punished. Here's the grace period to do what needs to be done, but you need to get to know Jesus. So I'm not giving people a bunch of rights and wrongs. You use the law of liberty to know Jesus Christ, and there the changes will be made. It's just like if you have any relationship with anybody and you want to get better at it, people tend to take up the habit of the relationship that they're now in. I see it a lot with women. A woman will act different with every man she is with. If she's with one guy, she may pick up a responsible nature and she chooses to work because she recognizes the man that she's with is not a slacker. Then she can get with some bum smoking dope and, you know, doing everything else. And she becomes a fornicator and she, you know, her, her ambitions are not the same. Mm -hmm. So when the Bible says that the glory of the man is the woman or the woman is the glory of the man, man, that says so much because you see women take up the very nature of that which they are around. Yep. And, you know, I'm not pushing chauvinism here. I'm just making a point 
that if we are to be covered in God's glory, then we need, we need to get to know the Lord. And that's why in many ways women are fashioned after the Holy Ghost in so many ways. Because there is a nature that you have a very comforting or nurturing nature, which is the Greek word parakletos, which means comforter. These are things that women are given that we ought to have, you know, that we should have, okay? So let's move on, but I just wanted to make this point concerning the law of liberty. The law of liberty is God's perfect work, okay? So even though we may have other obligations, his work comes first and foremost, yeah. Could it also be used in the sense of, well, you know, if we are children of God, then we actually we have to mature of, as children of him, so exactly. when we get saved, we basically are starting at a baby stage. And then the more mature we get, obviously he expects different things from us in that, just as a baby, as a child, as a child grows, you, you expect them to understand more because their level of understanding becomes greater. Absolutely. So you, you expect different responsibilities from them. And when they don't do as according to what you say, because now you're starting to give them a little bit of leeway. Mm -hmm. At a certain age, you give them a little bit of leeway to go out mm -hmm. and, and test where they are. Well, the same thing is with our faith. But if we don't do as we're supposed to, then we get that smack on the hand. Like, obviously, you're not mature enough to handle this. I'm going to have to agree with Exactly. Exactly. The law of liberty is really for those believers who have fashioned their nature after Jesus Christ. Uh -huh. Because why? You can't mess it up. You right. won't mess it up. You are totally going to be led by the Spirit of God. So verse 26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless, uh, in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world so he's clearly speaking of a nature because if we are going to be unspotted from the world we can't be like the world we can't think like the world we can't do what the world does and think that we won't be unspotted and that word for world is cosmos so the way that the world sees things the, the fashions the trends all the popular things of the world can't be of you right. if you want to remain unspotted Okay, so we are going to go into chapter 2 here because there's another point being made, and this is going to prove that we're speaking of a nature more so than we are anything else. Um, chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or, or sit here under my footstool. Okay, so we know as far as I want to clear one thing up with the gay clothing. Everybody knows what that means. That's not speaking of, you know, sexual nature clothing, gay it's just talking about those that are in goodly apparel, you know, those that are, you know, what you would consider kings would wear or people that were well-dressed. All right. Verse 4. Uh, are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, also, um, not God chosen the poor, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, uh, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him. 
So the Lord is making clear, or James is making clear here, I believe the Lord is speaking through him, but he's speaking of the fact that if you are looking at people and judging them according to their outward appearance, then your thoughts are evil, okay? Because you're looking at it like one is worthy of more than someone else. Okay, you're a bum, so we'll put you in the back. And I mean, I've seen this happen in restaurants and other places. Okay, you're a minority, or you're someone that doesn't look like you have too much. Yeah, you sit over in the back by the wall. But for the people that look like they got money coming in, well-dressed and everything, yeah, you guys sit up front because you make us look good, mm -hmm. and we don't want to drive away our wealthy customers. Right. So that there is being partial and not being righteous. Okay, verse 6. But ye have desired the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. This is kind of like what we were talking about last week because you notice that everybody wants to be rich. Everyone wants to be in the elite class. And the funny thing is the real elite class doesn't want you. No. They want to murder you. They don't even feel like you're worth being with them. But everyone wants to side with the rich because the rich seem to be respectable, you know. I've seen many times, even on Wall Street, the rich will walk into banks, and you'll see the poor people, you know, waiting in line. But because of who this guy is, oh, they'll bring him right to the front. As a matter of fact, they'll talk to him in his office while everybody else has to wait on a long line. But because he's got $105 million in the bank, you know, he's someone that's treated with respectability. But the Bible is saying, aren't, aren't the poor people nicer to you than the rich? Aren't the rich people who oppress you and put their laws and things over you treating you like you're less than them? So why would you give them what is righteous when you have more in, poor, more in, in common with the poor man? So this is something that he's, he's making clear. And draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme uh, that worthy name by the which ye are called. And it's true. Who hates Christians more than rich? Who hates Christians more than the establishment? Why? Because a Christian, you can't make money off a Christian. A Christian really is the enemy of the world and nothing like it. So again, we're speaking of two different natures here. So it says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and do well. Now the royal law is another word for, you know, what they call the golden rule today. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how much they steal from the Bible. Exactly. So it's saying, love your neighbor as yourself and you will do well. Again, this is a nature. Because I think that fallen man, to some degree, you know, it's just a, a normal thing to judge. It really is. In a carnal sense, you start to lump everybody in the group, and no one has to teach you this. This is something man will do all by himself. Verse 9, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Okay, so he's not exactly talking about the law law. He's speaking of a different law here, but you are a transgressor. Why? Because the royal law is pretty much the law of liberty, which talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And those are the two things that Jesus preached. Verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So you see, you, there is no way around God's law. Okay, You cannot have some things that are not right 
in God's kingdom because God is holy. And this is why the Bible tells us, be ye perfect, for God is perfect. Or Jesus says that, and he said, just as your father is. So we have to be perfect in nature. And I consider perfect Jesus Christ. Verse 11. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So the only way to play this is straight. So speak ye and so do, as they that have, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So you see, the law of liberty is kind of a reciprocal type of law, but it's a law of grace saying that we must be like Christ. We can't point to our brother or point to someone we don't know. We can't point to someone rich or someone poor and try and make a comparison. This is the law of liberty, which says that everyone should be like Jesus Christ. Verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath shewn no mercy, and a mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What doeth? Uh, what doth a prophet? What doth it profit, my brethren? Uh, though I, though a man say uh, he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? So, you know, this is why we talked about in chapter 1, being a doer of the word and not just a hearer, because what ends up happening is, when you become a doer of the word, you are that which you speak. There is no hypocrisy there. You are also, you also are working in faith, which makes the perfect law of liberty, because we know that our God is a reciprocal God. What you do unto others will be done unto you. This is what he's talking about. So how does it profit you to tell someone kind, loving words, knowing this person is in need? You aren't meeting their needs. So, you know, along with speaking what's good, we ought to show what's good. Verse 17, excuse me. Even so faith, if it hath not works, um, is dead uh, being alone. A lot of people have faith in the Lord, so they claim. But God is looking at, what can you do for me? Now, we're not putting the cart before the horse. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, you know, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by works, but if you have faith... You are going to be led unto good works. So this is what James is talking about. Because when does it come a point where you aren't just saved through faith and you are now acting upon the faith that you have? This is also like a, um, a cross-reference to um, when God gave um, Adam a helpmate. Mm-hmm. And he said, I will give you a helper. And this is also like uh, when he said, um, two is better than one. Mm-hmm. And in, in verse 17, it says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Mm-hmm. So if works is with faith, they both work on each other and they both like build on each other. Absolutely. Because that could work for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you can't have faith alone and you can't have works alone. Exactly. Faith is first. Works come second. You know, God built Adam. It's true. Eve became a helpmate for Adam. And that's what she was supposed to be. Now, you know, that thing went sideways because they had partaken in something that was not of the nature of God. All right. So it says in verse 18, I think that's where I am. Yes. Yea, a man may say, 
thou hast faith, and I have a works. Shew me thy faith without thy works. I will shew ye, I will shew thee my faith by my works. So this kind of goes back to the teaching we were talking about from faith to faith, glory to glory. Because God doesn't want us to stay in the same place. When we accomplish one thing in Jesus Christ, the Lord wants us to continue to progress in him. Okay, you speak in tongues now? Okay, now we need to start this ministry and laying on hands. Mm -hmm. There are things that need to take place. So it is ever-increasing faith. And that's why he says, okay, you want to you say that you have faith without works? I'm, gonna, I'm at the stage of showing you my faith by my works. Okay, because I believe I can demonstrate Christ instead of speaking about Christ. Because I believe I can have revelation to tell you about someone I know other than read about someone that I don't know. Mm -hmm. So this is a different level of faith here. He's, this is the faith of action, you know. And that's why, you know, the, the gifts are um, revelatory. They are power gifts and they are auditory gifts. You know, some words, some gifts that you speak, you know, and things will occur. There are other things that are power gifts where miracles occur. And then there are the rev revelatory gifts where you have like discernment. You'll have faith or you'll have not faith. You'll have, um, you know, be given a word in season like um, words of wisdom or words of knowledge. OK. And the others are the auditory gifts are like speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues and things like that. So you have the auditory, you have the revelatory gifts and then you have the power gifts. So he's talking now in many ways, power, okay? Like these things are actually taking place. Verse 19, thou believest that God, I mean that there is one God, do, um, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. So just because you believe there's a God, the Bible's talking about him, the devil even believes there's a God, there's one God, and he trembles. So that's not saying much. Verse 20, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his perfect works, uh, and by works uh, was faith made perfect? Exactly. So, you know, it began with Abraham and the Lord, you know, having a relationship. Abraham believed that, that God was the only God. He broke down the idols of his father. You read that in the book of Jasher. He was persecuted for it. But it never made sense to Abraham that these idols are gods. They can't speak. They can't do many different things. And I think that's what's kind of inspired David in Psalm 115 to write the psalm that he did by the Spirit. But if these things are not alive, how can they possibly be anything? So that drew Abraham closer to the Lord. And in doing so, there came a point in that relationship where the Lord said, you know, I just want to see how faithful Abraham is to me. Right. Because if his generation is going to be my people, then I need to figure out if he's in it for real or he's just hanging out with me. Let's see how much he loves me. So he asked him to sacrifice his son, and Abraham didn't hesitate. He did the will of the Lord, did what the Lord told him. And before he got ready to, the Lord said, Draw not thy sword, don't, you know, do thy son no harm. Now I know that you will hold nothing back from me. And see, this is what has the church stagnant in many ways, and this is why the law of liberty is used falsely. Because what people tend to do is they sit and they wait, they just hang out, and they think that this is all there is to the kingdom of God. Saying loving, sweet words to one another, maybe sharing with one another, 
singing songs to the Most High, which, which none of these things are wrong. But there comes a point in growth, okay, who are you for me? Are you a prophet? Are you a pastor? Are you a teacher? Are you an evangelist? When will this word live in you and apply to you? Or are you just going to sit here and hear every week how much I love you? And see, this is where people get stagnant, but he's talking about these works. All right, verse 22. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend, the friend of God. So we're talking through relationship. Abraham became a friend of God. Abraham believed God. We cannot do anything for the Lord outside of faith. And the only thing that's going to increase our faith is a relationship in knowing the Lord. It's just how we rely on our relationships we have here in the world. It's because we have faith in that relationship. The Lord wants the same thing with you and I. And that's why he talks about a religious man in chapter 1. And he talks about his vanity. And then he talks about being unspotted from the world, being separated unto Christ, and taking care of the fatherless and the widow. So you see, this all comes together. Verse 24. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Okay, so using our liberty to do the will of the Lord is a sign of faith. Why? Because you recognize you were saved for a reason, and in that, God can do his perfect work. If you love your neighbor righteously, if you do the things that he calls you to do, then you can keep your relationship with the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. That's a conditional statement. So if you don't do what I command you, you are not my friends. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand how far faith goes and what this law of liberty is for. Because our law of liberty is to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all of our minds, and all of our strength. And if you microscopically examine that scripture, it clearly says that you don't have time for anything else. Nope. Okay, not trying to be funny, but you will have time maybe for family and all that. But all those things are going to come from top to bottom. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's every man you encounter. Okay, whether he has need or not, whether he believes the same or not. I'm not saying you got a fellowship with him, but in your heart should be love towards him. Even if he is a black-hearted sinner. Mm -hmm. All right? So faith without works is dead. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 4 real quick, and then we'll move on. Well, and once the Lord starts working on the sanctification process with this, you really do realize that everything else in the world just gets in the way of that. Mm -hmm. And you understand that even if we have a job or, what, or if we have family, it's like, you know, you want your family to understand the direction that you're going in that, hey, this is where I'm going and nothing is more important than my relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing. And if you have a job, it's to witness to those people. And then the Lord's going to move you forward to another place. But if we're sanctified with Him, man, there is no limit to what the Lord can do through us. Exactly, because you're going to be led of the Spirit in all affairs. So, of course, you're going to be right to your kids and your wife 
and everything else. The Lord will lead you maybe unto a job to do a work for him. But I find it awfully funny how Jesus, you know, this unspotted from the world thing and this law of liberty, the disciples were with Jesus. I want to know what playtime they had when they were sitting by the Sea of Galilee or they crossed the Jordan or they did whatever. I want to know when did they have time when they got to the beach that Jesus said, all right, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but I'm trying to get people to understand it. What did he say? Break out the volleyball. Right. You know, let's just camp out. All right, let's have some fun. Peter, let's 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 hear about your wife and your family situation. And I'm sure they talked to the Lord about many things. Mm-hmm. But to look at where Jesus's, Jesus Christ's mind was, you know, which we're about to look into, you know, was so different from how we look in the world. And some people would say, that's cold. I would say, no. You've got some growing up to do. Because the more you become like Christ, and everything goes in steps. You don't have to be this way outright. But everything goes in steps. But if you're asking, well, what can I do for the Lord? That means that you still have an occasion for the flesh. Mm -hmm. There is something in the flesh that you want. Because when you are linked to Christ, the question doesn't go with, what can I do in the law of liberty? Lord, what would you have me to do? And that's a big difference concerning the law of liberty versus the law of liberty to take care of the flesh. Exactly. All right, so Luke 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse uh, verse 14. Now, you know that Jesus had forsaken the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Everything that the devil offered him, Jesus separated himself from the world. His obedience here was fulfilled, okay, because he didn't take anything from it. And then we'll start at verse um, 14, and it says, And Jesus returned in the power, I mean, of the, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. So you forsake the world, you see where the power is? That word for power is not authority, that's dunamis. That is miracle working, that is wonder working power. So if we're not walking as believers with this power in Christ, it's because we're being short-circuited by what? The flesh. And? The world. And? The devil. Exactly. So there's the whole point that... All three things that we got to overcome. And all three things that the devil challenged Jesus (laughs) with here. So this this is awesome. Verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. Again, I know we've addressed this point. We've addressed this point on the Sabbath day. Jesus came in as his custom was. Now, he's not coming in to do what everyone else is doing. He's coming with a specific message about how things are going to be and what he is here to represent. All right? So, Sabbath keepers, keep your distance. Verse... um, 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, this is Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, so you notice with the things that he said here, there were five things that he came to do. Symbolizing what? Grace. Mm-hmm. Not hard bondage. Not, you know, dealing with the acts of the law. 
This here is grace. So these five things, five is always mentioned as a number for grace. So I want to get back to this part where he says um, uh, to bind up the broken heart, to preach the gospel to the poor. So he's now giving people a chance to receive something that most people overlooked. So naturally his nature was outside of the world. The world looked down on people and the Lord, you know, oh man, you filthy bum. You know, you got the parable of, of Lazarus and the rich man. So Jesus came to do that. And then it comes, um, you know, to, to heal the broken heart. So these, that sounds like someone that is bound by the cares of this life or maybe very close relationships they've been dealing with to preach deliverance to the, of deliver, deliverance to the captives. And um, actually, there I think there might be six here. Let's see. The Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's one. Brokenhearted, two. Deliverance to captives, three. Recovering of sight to the blind, four. Um, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Okay, so this message just changed. But the point is, is the fact that there were six here, you know, can even symbolize what he came in as a man to do. Okay, because if man was born on the sixth day, he came with the number six to redeem man. Okay, and this is how he would do it in six steps. So thank you, Lord, for giving me that one. But, you know, people that are brokenhearted are bound to their feelings and emotions. Deliverance to the captives. There are a lot of people here that had demons, and they dealt with it throughout the law. You know, so the demon never really got dealt with. They would stone individuals that had demons or whatever. Recovery of sight to the blind. So the Lord would no longer allow those who were restricted by the world that could not see. He gave them new sight. And then it says to set at liberty them that are bruised. I believe personally this has a lot to do with the law. A lot of people were bruised by the law. There was a lot of things, excuse me, that you could not do. And when Jesus came here, he came demonstrating grace. He gave grace to us. Okay, so, and it says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the Lord did all these things to, to set people at liberty. Every one of these individuals were held captive by something outside of Jesus Christ. So if he comes to deal with every single part of this or every one of these acts, then he is coming to bring forth liberty. He is coming to have Christ Jesus living in us, full of his spirit. And, you know, this is why the spirit of the Lord is upon him. So how can we have the spirit of the Lord upon us to do what we want in our free time? It makes no sense. No. The spirit fell on Jesus Christ for one reason, and these are the six right here. And in order to do this, we have to love our brother. So if we're not doing this for the kingdom, then we are going according to the occasion of the flesh and not according to the will of God. So I just wanted to bring that point here because it says, and he closed the book and he gave uh, it again to the ministers and sat down and the eyes of them all that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Why? Because they heard something from him they had never heard before. This didn't sound like hard religion. This didn't sound like hard bondage. This didn't sound like we would have to deal with our problems forever, year after year. This sounded like love. This sounded like redemption. This sounded like grace. This sounded like, you know, compassion for, for a people that were only religious 
following the Lord. Mm -hmm. So this, this is what it truly is to walk with Jesus Christ and to be led by the Spirit in these things. This is what you would be set forth to do. And if you think that the Holy Ghost is going to land on you or I for any other purpose, that is just not the case. Exactly. How can he land on Jesus to do these works and then land on you and I to go and have fun? That doesn't even sound realistic. And that's why the Lord wants us all to grow up. John 3. John chapter 3. What will make some people really mad is when you take them to 1 John 2 when it says, and we're to walk as he, as he walked. People get mad because it's like they don't want to walk as Jesus walked. No, or they'll, they'll knock down who Jesus is. Yeah. To walk, and I'm not preaching works today. I'm talking about a nature, but a lot of people they they dumb down or they knock down their their faith in Jesus to I'm just a church person. When the Lord is calling you to be a son of God, to be something much more. So in order to be a son of God, then we have to imitate our Father. Exactly. We have to mimic our big brother, our Lord and Savior. Okay, a lot of people don't want to do that. Then this is why that guy said, I don't know if you remember on that teaching we did about another Jesus, another gospel. But there was um, Derek Prince on there when he was younger. You know, he was speaking really, you know, he was at it, you know, yeah. with everything he needed to say. But he said the only reason that we become or we um, come into Jesus is for the Lord Jesus. He said, and I wouldn't encourage anybody to come into Christianity if they weren't ready for that level of relationship with Christ. Exactly. He said, you can be thrown in a FEMA camp or, or a prison for, for three years. What do you say? Three, three years, three yeah. months, or even 30 years. Yeah. But God has a right to put you there because he means for his work to be done there. So this is what it is to truly give it up to him. And I'm not saying that that's what he would do, but God has done this mm -hmm. in order for his will to be done. How long you're there, I really believe, you know, it's up to him or up to you even recognizing why you might be there. Well, so these are things that we need to do is to recognize that the only reason that we are alive in Christ is to have Christ formed in you and I. It's so that Jesus can live and walk in 2017. To do the will of God. Yes, sir. Well, and if it happened to the disciples, how is it that we expect anything less to happen to us? And it even said it in Revelation, I think, chapter 2 or 3. It said that, you know, you could be casted into prison for money. It's, it's says, he says it when he walks here with the disciples. You know, you That's will right. be persecuted for my namesake. That's right. And so it's like, but we've gotten so slothful and so laid back and so complacent and so mm -hmm. comfortable in this life that... To even speak these things, even though the word clearly says it, to speak these things today, man, you're looked at as a heretic. Mm -hmm. God would never let that happen. You know, and this is where people need to wake up, and this is why the church, they're sugar babies and not doing what they should do in Christ. Exactly. You know, they're getting an imbalanced diet of what the Bible actually says. They're being told all this stuff, and this is why the devil, he loves to paint so much love and not enough of what we need to do for Jesus because he knows that a Christian will never be ready for that. Mm -hmm. A Christian will fall away at the moment there is persecution. And that's what the devil is banking on. John 3 and 1, and it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So we recognize here that Nicodemus is talking about Jesus Christ being different than the Pharisees that he was around, mm -hmm. a total different person. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus, in many ways, was sitting here telling Nicodemus, you know, you guys, you're talking about these miracles. I'm here showing you how to get these miracles. You need to be born again so you can see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Okay, so this can have a double meaning. This can be yeah, born from the womb, absolutely, you know, because God only came for man. But it can also mean being baptized in water and turning away from sin, okay? Because the spirit won't fall on a lot of people that need to be baptized. You've had a lot of sin in your life. God needs proof that you are seriously turning away from Egypt. When they crossed that Red Sea, they never returned because it was about going forward in Christ. Okay? So he says, uh, verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. And this is why he talks about flesh and spirit. Flesh will tell you, I have a legal obligation here to be here. I have family. I have friends. I have this. I have that. And this is why you got people that will sit in church for 50 years, got their seat warm, got their initials written on the bottom, get mad if anybody sits in their seat because they are not where they need to be in Christ. You are still a babe fighting over what you want in the church when you should become the church of God and move forward. But he's talking about this when. It bloweth wherever it listeth, and, and you know, here's the sound thereof. But you can't tell where it goes or whether it comes, you know. And that is what it is to be led of the Spirit. Not to follow a bunch of rules and regulations, but to be led of the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. Wherever God wants you to be, whatever God wants you to do, you do in Him. And you are not bound by law. You are not bound by tradition or religion, okay? You are bound by following what the Spirit of God says. And this is why Jesus first says, born again. Then he says, you know, Spirit listeth where it's supposed to go. Why? Because there is no way for us to even fathom this if we don't have the Spirit. So we're talking to spiritual minds in here, and for those carnal minds, you need to be born again. How do I become born again? Follow the Lord. Develop a relationship with Jesus Christ I'm not going to encourage anybody to do anything more than that. Why? Because if you seek the Lord your God with all of your heart, then God will give you everything that you need for him. Okay? He will tell you what needs to be done. You will hear his voice and know that it's coming from God. And he will reveal things to you and what you need to do. And this is why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But he wasn't talking to the carnal man. Well, in some ways he was, but it took a spiritual mind to understand that once you are of the Spirit, you cease from your own works, like Hebrews 4 says, and you go according to what God wants you to do. And that's why he says, the flesh is weak.
but the spirit is willing. So what do we need to do? Like we talked about before, you've got to die out to the world, die out to the flesh, die out to the devil. Let Christ indwell you and you walk with him. And that is the only true way to work this thing out. So when you look at verse 8, it's talking about liberty. But it's not talking about a liberty to self. It's talking about wherever the wind blows. What's another word for wind? Breath. What's another word for breath? Pneuma or Rawak, which means what? Spirit. So you have to be led by the Spirit in all affairs and what you do. And this is why you go back to James. Be slow to speak, you know, quick to hear, slow to wrath. Why? Because you have to be led of the Spirit. The Spirit will act that way. Lord, what should I say? How should I deal with this? Lord, how should I feel? But we all have to be led of the Spirit. Exactly. All right? So true. Anyone wants to add anything, they can. If not, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, it's like if you're not slow to speak and hear from the Lord, you can either curse somebody unknowingly or you can make a judgment on a situation in which the Lord actually calls that foolish in the word to do so. And I'll tell you how slick the devil is because there are times when I'm out there, you know, giving to people and I can feel joyous about giving all up until I get to the counter or I start to go into my wallet, mm-hmm. you know? And then I have this weird feeling of, you know, they need and I need and this and that. I'll pray, Lord, take that feeling away mm-hmm. because you love a cheerful giver. So even while you're in the act of giving, the devil can, you know, try and get your mind back to, well, you need to. Exactly. Why doesn't this guy work for a living? What is going on? So but you want the Lord to... Calm you down. You know, Lord, sanctify my feelings. Yeah. Because what's in my heart right now is not right. Mm-hmm. I know that this pleases you. Okay? And that's why you can't please the Lord in acting. You have to please Him in nature. God is a giver. The Spirit of God is a giving spirit. So if you're doing anything outside of that, you can't be like God. You're going to fake it and then eventually get mad and get frustrated. And then the real you was going to show up. So we've got to be of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, and it says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. So again, we're looking at two different types of nature. He says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. So now that you understand what idols are and what these things are, now he says, Knowledge puffeth up. So just because, and this is a good point, But you ever notice like some people, they go out and they preach and they teach, but then they like to expose what is wrong. And then they get this high off of it as, I'm exposing what's wrong. I'm a heretic hunter. I'm out to expose everything that is not right. But you pointing out what's not right doesn't make you right. Okay? You can point out everything that's wrong, but it doesn't make you a good person whatsoever. You're just a heretic hunter. So he's talking about knowledge can puff you up. A lot of people will get into, well, the Spirit will expose what's wrong. But see, some people live in that. And then they start looking for more stuff to debunk. When he's talking about charity, edify it. So if your heart is in the right place, you're not going to be puffed up by knowledge. Because you are doing for, for that person, for their well-being. Because you love them and no other reason. Right. All right, so we go to verse 3. and it's um, two. Verse 2, sorry. And it says, And if any man think that he knoweth anything... He knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. 
But if any man love God, the same is known of him. So it all begins in loving your Lord. And because of that, you develop a relationship with the Lord. And even in this relationship, you recognize, Lord, I am nothing. What does the Bible say in, in Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah became undone when he saw the Lord uh, high and lifted up. And the train of his um, robe filled the temple. You know, he said, man, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst an unclean people. But he recognized that he was nothing. And from there, God worked with Isaiah. Yes. Verse 4. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. Okay, so you, what it means by offering the idols, you guys might remember or you might have even seen in your own time, you go into a Chinese restaurant mm -hmm. and other places, you'll see a plate of food sitting right under a Buddha. And it's like, what is that for? You know, what does that have to do with? Nothing to do with God, okay? So they're feeding it, and it's not even, you know, alive. Verse 5, For though there be uh, that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as um, there, there be many gods and many lords, and you notice those are all lowercase g's. So you can make anything your God that you want to make, and it does not have to be the one true God. Yep. Verse 5. For though there be... Oh, I read that. Uh, verse 6. But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. So it makes clear here that there's only one God. That's all. You know, verse 7. How be it, there is not in, in every man uh, that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat. They eat it as a, as a thing offered unto, the, unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. So they don't even recognize that they're doing anything wrong. This is no God that you're sacrificing to. You're just doing it. And because of that, you're defiled. Your conscience haven't yet reached you, even common sense for that matter. This thing cannot eat. Okay? If the food is disappearing, then someone's taking it away. It has no life. You ought to look up a story in the Apocrypha concerning Daniel. It's called Bell and the Dragon. You've probably seen that in the Apocrypha. But there's an interesting story of how under King Cyrus's rule, Daniel was there. And um, Daniel talks about how King Cyrus was pleased that this dragon that they were worshiping in the land and this serpent, excuse me, was, um, you know, something. It was their God, okay, and, or, or Baal, you know, Baal is Baal. But they were worshiping it, and they said, man, we put food there, the food disappears. And Daniel said, this thing is not alive, it's an idol, it's not true, or whatever. And then King Cyrus said, okay. Well, if there's food there, if the food keeps disappearing, he called in all his wise men. And he said, I want you guys to tell me the truth. Is the food being, who's taking this food away? And they said, oh, nothing, King. You know, the food is really being eaten by Bell or, or the dragon. So he said, okay, I'm going to put a plate of food here and I'm going to lock it away from everybody else. And that way we'll be able to tell if this thing is alive or not. So these people, these guys, or these, these wise men of Cyrus, had a secret passage that they can come up through, you know, through the back and open the thing. So they went there, 
ate the food, brought in their wives and their kids and all that, ate the food and ran out, you know, or left. So in the morning, because Cyrus said, okay, Daniel, if this thing isn't true, then you're going to pay for blaspheming my God. So Daniel said, all right, sure, fine. So they both, Daniel and Cyrus, went in there in the morning, and you saw, like, no food there. So Cyrus was like, well, you're going to have to be judged according to this. And Daniel smirked and said, or he laughed and said, King Cyrus, look. Look at the footsteps of men, women, and children, the footprints in the sand that lead out through that passage. Cyrus got angry and actually brought in those blasphemers and executed them, their wives, and their children. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but the point is, is that this battle has always been going on between life, you know, between false idols and the one true God. So this is what he's bringing up here. All right, so verse 8, and it says, But me commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So he's talking about, hey, food is not going to make you or break you in this. This is not what it's about in having a relationship with God. It doesn't make you better or worse. But he's talking about this liberty of yours becoming a stumbling block to them that are weak. So, for example, we're not under the law. Okay, James may choose not to eat meat. Okay, because that's the way he feels. So you know that pork is not in his diet. I may eat pork from time to time or whatever like that, and you may eat it or not eat it. Mm -hmm. The point is, is, if James is stronger in the faith concerning what should be of Christ, and I'm not, but James and I are no different. James doesn't eat pork, I eat pork. But the point is, is he's saying, don't make sure that this liberty that I'm given to eat what I want doesn't become a stumbling block before those who are weak. Mm -hmm. Because some people would take that and say, oh, okay, the dietary law doesn't really apply to me, so neither does fornication, mm -hmm. neither does any other kind of sin. Well, if that seemed bent somewhat, I can go and do what I want to do. So he's saying make sure that that's not the case because everything has its place. All right, so this is what he's talking about, that law, becoming that liberty becoming a stumbling block. You know, you stay within the parameters of God and be led by the Spirit. Perhaps God may tell you to eat a piece of something if you're surrounded by someone that needs to be saved. Exactly. And that's why Paul says, I became all things to all men. But if we, if the Lord tells you, you know, eat this, and you say no, then the, then the situation is you just disobey God. God knew for what reason he was doing what he was doing. So we can't use his liberty to stumble or make it a stumbling block before others. We have to be led by the Spirit in all affairs. Right. All right, so let's move on. Let's go to, uh, I want to go to Galatians chapter 2, and we'll start at verse 1. Am I making sense, though? Because I don't want to throw anybody off here. You right, James? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah it's just making sense. Yeah. It's clear to me. <laughs> yeah. That was a good example, too, because you really are vegetarian. So it's like, yeah. You are right, Sarah? Yeah, I'm good. It's like we can't have so much. And this is where we got to make sure that pride doesn't come in either, because if we're kind of stuck on what we like, and yet the Lord says, I want you to go here, kind of like with Peter when he had that vision, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, Lord, I put no unclean 
thing before my mouth mm -hmm. or in my mouth. Well, he wasn't talking about eating right. anything unclean. He was talking about the salvation of others. Mm -hmm. Same thing for us. Is like the Lord says, hey, I want you to go here, and I want, it to, I want you to eat this. But if we're so like, Lord, why would you have me eat this? Like, come on, you know what my diet is. That's not the law of liberty. Yeah. Exactly. We can't think that we're better than anybody. No. If we do things like that, we're... We'll miss it. We won't be able to feel the spirit. Mm -hmm. He won't be able to use us according to his will because we have ourselves out there, you know, thinking of ourselves. Exactly. And that's what the you know the Lord was talking about concerning, um, you know, like he told Peter, like that was a good example, like what I call clean. You know, you don't call common, mm -hmm. you know, to any man. Right. So like just like what he did to Paul. Paul was considered a murderer. Hey, I call Paul clean this day. Paul is clean, right. all right, from this day on. Right. All right, so uh, Galatians 2 and verse 1, and it says, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately unto them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So, you know, one thing that the Lord does with every believer, when you're born again, God always gives you a vision of who you are or who you see yourself being. And if we act on that, we'll be successful with the Lord mm -hmm. because the Lord shows you these dreams and visions, meaning for you to move forward in him. You know, so he's giving you a fresh new concept of who he sees you as being. But he's saying, if I yield not to the revelation that God gave, now you know what happened to him 14 years ago. He was knocked off the donkey at the road of Damascus, and the light shined on him. And Paul lived by that revelation ever since, the, ever since that day. The Lord said, I am now going to use you for my purpose. And he said, I will reveal those things to you that you don't know. So Paul lived from this point on. So if he had not obeyed the vision, that he would have run in vain. Right. We have to obey the vision, meaning the purpose that God has for you and I. Verse 3, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So he's talking about these false brethren crept in unawares. And, you know, this can happen with a lot of people. You can learn of the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord that your parents don't have. Perhaps our parents could have been church people, but you actually got to know the Lord for real. He speaks to you. He shows you things. The gifts of the Lord are manifesting through you. And you can have a family member or friend or relative or just some Bible scholar, you know, come upon you and tell you, well, this is not tradition. This is not how it's supposed to be. You have to do A, B, C, and D, and then you can have the Lord and, and, and have a relationship with him. And this is why, you know, when people bring you to Christ, you got to seek Jesus Christ yourself and not just the person that brought you. Why? Because those people will tell you that they want you to be different. Or you might say, hey, the Lord is showing me something that he wants me to do. And they're like, no, you need to come with me here and you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to be saved my way, you know. Not being saved the way that God is telling you to be saved. No two people are saved the same way in Christ. 
Some people may have music presented to them. Some people may meet somebody that brings them in. It can be anything that the Lord can use to bring you in. Mm -hmm. But see, these false brethren will come in and spy out your liberty. Oh, all right, they look like they're having too much fun in here. It's time to dictate what kind of laws need to be placed so that they understand how real this is. And that's why he's talking about being brought back under the yoke of bondage because that bondage is the law. And see, it may not be Mosaic law, but there could be other things. Everybody's head need to be covered in here when you pray because it's written right here in 2 Corinthians, whatever. I can go amongst people that are having their heads covered or uncovered. It doesn't apply to me. I walk in the Spirit. And this is what Paul said to be all things to all men. This is how the law of the liberty, the law of liberty is used. Mm-hmm. We've had people come in here cursing, but they didn't know the Lord. So what are you going to do? Jump down their throat? No. That they're only doing what they know. Mm-hmm. Let the Spirit work in them. Exactly. Alright? So we got to beware of these, these false brethren. Because they'll come in and spy out your liberty, and before you know it, you're not working with the Spirit at all. You're back under bondage following some man. Yep. Okay? Verse 4. Or verse 5. And to whom we gave a place by subjection, uh, know not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, uh, God accepteth no man's person, for they that seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Why? Because Paul was complete in Christ. When we get to that place of being complete in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean we can't edify, we can't be taught, we can't learn, but it means that you know who you are in Christ. You're not trying to do works to validate your relationship with him. You're right. doing them because... You are following the Spirit of God and doing what He says. Exactly. Alright, so verse um, 7. But contrary was, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So Paul was given to the Gentile to go and preach. Peter was given to the Jew. That's all it's talking about here, okay? They had different assignments in the Lord. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. So it was all understood to them and what they needed to do. James, Peter, and and John were the closest to Jesus Christ, so they were considered pillars. They were those who were strongest in the faith. So when Barnabas and Paul came unto them, it was just like, hey, welcome, brother. This is what the Lord wants us to do. This is what we do. So in many cases, Paul and Barnabas were falling under proper headship. It's not that one was greater than the other, but if someone is older in Christ than you, you ought to take heed unto what they're saying. But there are um, certain conditions that that is not so, which we're going to go into. Verse 10. Only they would that that we would remember the poor, the same which is also uh, was forward to do. So they're all talking about the poor having that nature. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I would stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, uh, he withdrew and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision. 
and the and the other Jews uh, dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So you see the difference between Barnabas and Paul here. Paul being young in Christ, because they both were probably, Barnabas might have been into the Lord a little bit longer than Paul. But either way, he said James, Cephas, which is Peter, and John were considered pillars. But Paul is recognizing something here. Hey, we all agree. I would take care of the, the uncircumcision. You guys would take care of the circumcision. And we would preach the truth. So we understand what our place is here. But he recognized, wait a minute, when Peter came to Antioch, something wrong was going on here. Peter started mistreating the Gentiles. At one point, he was sitting with them, and everything was fine because he believed what God told him. But because you had other believers that would come around, Peter began to feel like, wait, well, wait a minute, I shouldn't be with them. I'm going to go and sit with my people because I don't want to be judged of the people. So you see how even a man full of God still needs to be corrected? Mm -hmm. This is apostle checking apostle here, and Peter was older in the Lord than Paul. But you see, Barnabas recognizing Peter as a pillar, Barnabas said, well, you know, if, if Peter's not doing it, then I'm not going to do it. Right. So Peter followed Barnabas. Okay, I mean, Barnabas followed Peter. Where Paul said, hey, wait a minute, there's something wrong going on here. We're supposed to love the Jew and the Gentile if they accept Jesus Christ as our brother. So he stood Peter to his face right. before them all because right. he was to be blamed. So this is where the law of liberty is perfect because Paul's saying, I don't care what we, were, what we came up in together, and I don't care, Peter, who you are in Christ. The Lord is speaking to me that this situation is wrong and it needs to be made right. And he didn't talk to Peter in some corner. He went before them all that they may hear. Okay, because everyone needs to know what right and wrong is here. All right, it says, and the other, uh, so Barnabas began following Peter, verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew liveth after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Um, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. So it's like if you're going to convert, convert Gentiles to live like us, why are you acting like the Gentile instead of the Jew? Mm -hmm. The Jew is supposed to be accepted because the Jew represents Christ to lead the Gentile in brotherhood. But now you're going to act like the world because other people have come around? That's just like us here. Let's just say you, James, and I go out and we're out there talking to the homeless. We're ministering to them. We're eating. We're laughing. We're joking with them. We're having a good time, even giving them hugs and everything, regardless of what they might smell like or look like. We recognize this is our brother. Okay, but then when everyone else comes into town that we fellowship with, now we're like, um, you know, I just had to give them a, a few bucks, but I'm not really with them. I mean, they're not... I mean, they're not believers, so I'm going to go and sit over here. And you're wrong. Yeah. Okay? Because God is not double-minded nor lukewarm. His heart is the same before all. Uh, where am I? Verse uh, 16, I believe. Yeah. And then he says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus, I mean, of Christ, and not by uh, the works of the law, 
for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we understand that we can't work our way to salvation, but one thing we have to do is believe in faith. Now, Peter was told of the Lord himself to go and talk to Cornelius and these guys. Peter soon forgot about that when the world came around, and Paul was there to check him and get him back in line. But see, Paul used the law of liberty to set right what was wrong. He could have easily pretended he didn't see it and had so much respect unto Peter because of the faith that he sat there and said nothing. He said, oh no, this is the wrong situation. I'm not going in line with this because we're not under the law anymore. You know, so he came to present the truth. So that's just an example of how... You know, brethren crept in unawares, conspired your liberty. Perhaps these people came to Peter and said, why are you sitting with them? Have you forgotten our tradition? And Paul came, yeah, yeah, I forgot about it. Because Jesus Christ came to set everything right. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. That's why Paul gets a lot of respect because Paul was really a man after the Lord. He wasn't like the others. And I'm not saying he was better than them, but there was something very different about him where I guess because he didn't walk with them, he was almost like a sort of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. someone that was in the wilderness, not someone that, influence. right, that the Lord worked with the right. All right, Mark 7 and 1, and it says, Then came uh, together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. So you see, this is what you would call spying out someone's liberty. All right, they're just going to eat, but these guys are looking at who's holy and who's not holy and trying to bring them unto tradition. What time is it for real this time? 640. All right, I'm just making sure. But All right, so the Pharisees and all the Jews except... Uh, they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received uh, to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, well, cast Isaiah prophesied to you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Mm. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines of the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandments of God. Ye hold their tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. So you recognize here, they're coming to spy out the liberty. Jesus is directing them back to their hypocrisy and their vanity. You guys want to be seen. You want to be justified of works. You guys don't understand the law of liberty. And you, you're definitely not following the law that you're preaching to us. So everywhere Jesus went, it just seems like there were the Pharisees. They came to spy out their liberty. What's so special about this Jesus and the apostles? And that's why they came to him and said, By what authority do you do these things? Because they were the high and mighty chiefs of the day, the priests. And he said, let me ask you a question. When John the Baptist came, all right, was his baptism of heaven or of earth? And what did they say? Oh, well, they, they feared John. You see how they bound themselves in bondage. But they feared because they considered John a prophet. 
But then they say, if, it, if they say it came from heaven, then why don't you listen to John? We cannot tell. He said, well, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. That is the law of liberty. Jesus didn't owe them an explanation, but he figured, okay, you want to reason? Let's reason. For you to ask me that question, let's see where your head is concerning John. Now, if they would have said, well, from heaven, he would have said, okay, well, you guys should have listened to John. I mean, and in many ways, he would have said, well, there's hope for you now. Now that you recognize you did not obey, come and follow me unto the ways of righteousness. But they were trying to rebel against him in their own bondage. And he said, I'm not telling you anything. You're not seeking truth. You're trying to spy out my liberty and you're not going to do it. I came to set those that were bruised at liberty. All right, verse 9, and it says, And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curses father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, uh, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught uh, for his father or for his mother. So it's kind of like Paul not being a respect of persons. He didn't, you know, we can respect our parents to a degree, but we ain't going to follow the tradition of our parents knowing that the Lord is telling you and I to do something else. Right. All right, verse 13, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered and many such like things ye do. And, and when he had called of the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me every one of you and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entereth into man can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So the Bible is talking about here that we can't have tradition in the way. And see, just going to your local church when God is calling you to do more can be a form of bondage. Yep. People not coming here on certain days or whatever, and I said, well, where were you, man? You should have been here because we had an important study. That's bondage, mm -hmm. all right? Because you don't know what the Lord could be telling them to do at whatever time. You pay attention to what you're told to do. So these are things that we need to be aware of. You wouldn't have Catholics having 2 billion people, Muslims a billion, and, you know, in all these big religions, if people didn't understand that tradition itself is what gets in the liberty, the law of liberty that God wants you to work through. Exactly. And I'm talking to Muslims, Catholics, or whomever. Certainly you can't feel at peace doing those works over and over again, never getting closer to God. And then you wonder why. Then you wonder why the Pope is a big deal. Then you wonder why the Watchtower Tract Society is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Then you wonder why they're waiting for the Imam Mahdi and all these other sheiks of the Sharia law that they listen to. Are you closer to God, or are you following religious works? Because these are the things that Jesus came to set the captives free from, that you would not have to bear that burden, but only the law of the Spirit, which takes a transformation in you. Mm -hmm. Galatians 3. I'm sorry, I should have just stayed there where I was, but I felt led to move on. Get out of your false religion and get to know the Lord for real. Because that's the only thing you're going to be saved by. It's not what you know, it's who you know. That's right. And it's not the pastor. Exactly. 
I mean, that'd be stupid for me to try and hold people back here, telling people, don't do this, don't do that. If you were given the gift of healing, and you were given the gift of prophecy, and, and you're being restricted, what is the point, and how can that benefit me? If we're all the body of Christ, I could be sick one day. I may need hands of healing. I may need a, a word from the Lord to save my soul. But I'm going to try and hold people back from getting to know Jesus for real? How does that edify me? That's, that's the foolishness that goes in tradition and religion. It's like going somewhere, giving a gift to a person, but then you you say that they got to share it with you or like they got to give the gift back. What kind of sense does that make? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it is foolishness. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is all who will be worshipped. Mm -hmm. He's our only Savior. Galatians 3 and 1. O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before those eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the law? Have ye suffered so many things in, I mean by the flesh, sorry, perfect by the flesh, have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be if it be yet in vain? So we understand that these brethren crept in unawares got to them. Had they started in the spirit and got brought back to the flesh. And that's why when we get born again saved, we need to seek Jesus for real. Because when you were born again saved, you come out of that little river and you go running just like this with your arms open. And here's Jesus Christ ready to welcome his child. And you run right through his legs to the nearest church never knowing him. That's the thing that holds people back. Instead of having relationship, because your mind is still somewhat carnal, you go to the things that you can see, that you can taste, that you can touch. Things that are most familiar. Not even realizing you're going into bondage. And God meant for you to have a relationship all along. Exactly. Alright, so it says in verse 5, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he by the law, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they uh, which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So we are of Abraham's seed and not Moses. Don't let anybody push you under the law. Okay, we've all been in religion where we've been in bondage at some point. You have to recognize when you're being thrown away from the law of liberty and not following the Lord. This is detrimental. Mm -hmm. The Spirit can pour on you one night and tell you to do something for Him, and you get bound by tradition of someone telling you that's a stupid idea, come with me, the Spirit will back off on you. Why? Because the Spirit doesn't come to justify flesh. The Spirit comes to do the work in the flesh that the Spirit of God may, may lead where we go and what we do. You might going to say something? Or... Yeah, I was also going to make a point that I'm really glad that you said that because sometimes when the Spirit is leading us, we can get so excited that we may tell another person, like we may text them or call them and say, hey, you know what, this is what the Spirit told me to do. And that person can say, just like you're saying, man, that's a dumb idea. Why would he have you tell that? It's not, and I know you've brought this up before, but sometimes when the, you know, a lot of times when the Spirit tells us to do something, mm -hmm. we don't need to go and tell someone else. We need yeah. to go and do exactly what he tells us to do right then and there. For example, I'll give you a classic example. And uh, I'm not trying to push up any flesh here, but for whatever reason, we were out there ministering. 
the Lord told James, start sweeping. Mm -hmm. Clean up the area. We didn't know what that was going to lead to. Right. But the Lord told him, go, clean up, do what you need to do. He did it. Recognition came. Homeless people can eat now. You know, James is giving stuff. You know, they all looked out for us. Being out there, that was the grace of the Lord. Right. But if James had not obeyed the Spirit, chances are we wouldn't have even been known that we're over there. Mm -hmm. And not that we're looking for worldly recognition, but we got to understand God's grace in a situation that it led to more, and it'll probably lead to more. Right. You know, even if you go back to the point where the Lord told me, stay right there. You know, for whatever reason, he told me, stay at the bus stop, don't move. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know what that was for. I thought, you know, well, maybe I should go and do whatever. He said, stay there. So you see, God builds upon every situation when he's led of the Spirit. Exactly. That didn't come from, you know, the works of the law. James didn't do it because he wanted acceptance. Yeah, he, yeah that made me think also that um, when that situation happened with those women, mm -hmm. um, it just something in me that told me to go. And it was like it was like a peace, like a peace. Like if there was no hesitation, mm -hmm. there was no doubt, there's no disbelief. Mm -hmm. Something told me to go because you know I heard something around the corner. Mm -hmm. Something told me to go, and I went. And that was that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is true. You have to be. You have to obey the spirit and. When you're quiet, when you have a, a communionship with Jesus Christ, you hear him. You hear him, you see him, you recognize him. Mm -hmm. You recognize his work. Like even when that same night, that incident, the woman came and said she wanted to talk to Sarah. Didn't even know, you know, what that would lead to. Right. We were, I was ready to get out of there. And Sarah said, no, I want to hang around because I want to hear what this woman has to say. Didn't even know her, her friend was going to be attacked that night. You know, what was going to happen? Right, exactly. But it's true. It's like, man, the Spirit of God, he leads in all things. So we are of Abraham's seed, not of Moses. Abraham didn't follow any laws to be with God. So don't let anybody push you up under the Sabbath or any of that. Abraham just followed the will of, the, of, of God. He was a friend of God. The Bible doesn't even refer to Moses as a friend of God. The Bible does say there was no prophet like Moses, uh -huh. that he spoke to God face to face. So I'm not saying he wasn't a friend, but you got to understand, Abraham had a different relationship. Right. They didn't have to go there. The Lord Jesus Christ, because I believe that's who it was, went into Abraham's house, and they're sitting there having dinner. You know, and, and talking, but see, that's when Jesus said, of you and me and I and you, my father and I will come into you and make our abode in you and sup with you. Exactly. So you see what Abraham had? That's who we're getting back to. Adam and Eve had something even better than that. Talk about a law of liberty. Don't eat from this tree, and you eat of that one, and you'll live forever. That's all they had to do. But see, when, when transgression came in, then came the law. Mm -hmm. You know, then, all right, now you're going to obey your husband, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, yep. when everything else was done by nature. All right, where am I, verse? Uh, it's either 9 or 10. I'm up to 9, and it says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful, faithful Abraham. Uh, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So no one could keep the law. So if you go under law, you're under a curse. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So we understand there are no works that you can do to have God's faith. I mean, you can have God's pleasure. Mm -hmm. 
you have to be led by the Spirit and loving your neighbor and loving the Lord. Why led by the Spirit to do that? Because love is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, a lot of people think they love and they don't. They do things just to be recognized and be seen. Rich men and politicians do this all the time. Yep. Okay, they don't have to like you one bit. It's because they want you to like them that they do things for you. But if you're led of the Spirit, you love truly whether that person calls you a name or not, mm -hmm. whether they like you or not. So we live by faith. Verse 12, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So you want to be in the law and, and, and forsake the grace of Jesus Christ? You will be judged according to them. That's a hard punishment. Mm -hmm. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the, this is, you know, we talk about Jesus being baptized in the Spirit and coming and doing all the works he did. The only way we can get that Spirit is through faith. We have to believe God. Yep, exactly. All right, and walk with him. Verse 15, that's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because if you really love, you will be obedient unto him. Then you can, how can you walk with God if you're not obedient? Mm -hmm. So how can the Spirit be imparted to you? So you see? All this goes in obedience and walking with him. Okay. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereunto, or thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. Uh, he said not, and the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant which was confirmed before the before of God in Christ the law, which was four hundred and thirty years after, cannot disannul that it would uh, make the promise of none effect. So he's talking about what Abraham did. And he's talking about four hundred and thirty years between you know well well that was going on, but between Moses and Abraham, the time that they went into bondage and then they got out. He's saying that what happened in that 430 years cannot disannul what God had with Abraham. What God had with Abraham is what God had always intended for us to have with Jesus Christ. All right, so those 430 years in time could never stop what God intended from the beginning. Mm -hmm. For if the heritage be of the law and is no more of promise, but God gave it to the Abraham by promise, wherefore then serveth the law is... Uh, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. So we understand that Jesus is as much God as the Father, okay, because he is the mediator. But basically, you can't mediate for somebody if you're not of the Spirit. Right. That's just like you saying, well, Lord, please don't don't let this happen to this person. And the Lord is like, I don't even know you. Mm -hmm. You have another spirit. So what do you expect me to do? So you have to recognize first the right God in order to be led by the law of the spirit. Because only one true God gives us the spirit. Exactly. And that is the God and Father of Jesus Christ. Uh, where am I? Verse uh, 21. Yeah. Uh, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could not uh, have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. 
But the scriptures have concluded all under sin, that the promise of by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, uh, which should afterwards be revealed. Now let's think about this. Law and works. I mean, or faith and works. I'm doing these things because I'm trying to appease God. So in many ways, that's not really faith. You know, because it's like you're trying to, if you don't do it, then it won't get done. So that can't be faith. Faith in God is faith alone, whether you do it or not. You believe. Okay, now again, after the faith comes the works, because you have the Spirit. And you're going to be led of the Spirit. Does that make any sense? All right, so that's why they were shut up from the faith. How could you believe if you're commanded to do something? You know, think about it. Verse 24, Wherefore the Lord was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So that tells us right here that you got anybody pushing you up under the law or any of these sacred feasts, get out of there, okay? Because that will mess with your faith, with your salvation. You are not under the law anymore. So you don't need a schoolmaster. You need to know Jesus Christ. That makes it, it makes it clear mm -hmm. that law is not a faith. No. It's not a faith at all. So it makes sense here where it says, um, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Mm -hmm. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Exactly. So it won't be because of any religious works that we have kept. There is no faith in the law at all. And faith a lot of yeah. God and it's true, and a lot of people have lost their anointing, falling back up on their church. I'm telling you, and it's not so much the church. If it's a spirit-filled church, they're gonna, you know, tell you to be the all that you can in Christ and move forward. But one of the problems is is that people get hooked to personalities. Mm -hmm. And yeah. see, the spirit can be willing you to come on, yeah. let's do, you know, whatever, and you. Amen. You know, and you're there having a good time. That's like that's like when somebody constricting themselves, exactly themselves, putting themselves in this confined box, mm -hmm. saying, "I follow the law," and you know, it's like I have to be perfect, set up right, I have to be well meant, you know, well meant. Exactly. And when you're in faith, it's it's natural. You mm -hmm. won't you won't be like a robot, like hi, how are exactly. you doing? You will be like natural, like it'll just exactly. come out like, hey, how are you doing? You know, just. It's exactly. The body of Christ, you can go into a church, receive the word, pray, and go right back out and, and do the Lord's business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the Lord call you to do? Right. Not like, oh, I heard that Sister Jay is having, you know, Bible study at her home. Pastor, you ought to look into this. Then a pastor goes and make a spectacle of you for having Bible. Who are you to go and do your own thing? So wait a minute, like Jesus said, by what authority I do these things, I don't owe you. I'm doing the will of the Lord. But this is that bondage, Galatians 5. We'll start in verse 1. We want to move on a couple more and then we can conclude from there. Yeah, we don't have to go too far into this because even Acts 15 talks about the yoke that they were not even able to bear. If our, if our forefathers couldn't bear it, why are you jumping back under it? Mm -hmm. But see, the only reason that anybody with any good sense would go back under the law, I mean, well, I can't say good sense, 
But anybody, you would say, man, how can a, a wise person read this Bible and still go back under the Lord? Because you still want to be somebody. I'm keeping the Sabbath. You guys are not. You know, I'm, I'm, I know what the sacred annual feasts were, and I cling to the tradition because I go all the way back to Moses. Well, sorry, I go all the way back to Adam and Eve. <laughs> I go all the way back to where man and God <laughs> were close. Yeah. You know, not under a veil trying to figure out what appeases the Lord next. Matthew says, now the root, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. That's right. So if anybody tries to say, I am this, I am that, you can't. No. It's like, you, are, I mean, you are your own person. You can't say that I, I'm this, I'm exactly. that. Exactly. You don't impress God through works. You can go to church. And that's what's so sad. You're going to have people in church all their lives. And when they get done, they will go to hell. Mm -hmm. Not because they went to church. Because they never got to know Jesus. There's a big difference. Knowing your pastor doesn't get the job done. And this is how the law of liberty could be used. Galatians 5 and 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So it's making it clear that he made us free. Now, a lot of people will read this. Pastors will read that. Say, amen, close the book, and that's the end of it. We got to understand what this liberty is about. Verse 2. Behold, um, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So if you got circumcised because of the law, you are in debt to do the whole law. Now, if you just get circumcised because it's, you know, I'm just getting circumcised, it doesn't matter. But if you think by that little snip of the skin on your, you know, member that you're somebody now, then you are, you're bound to the whole law. All right, so anyway, uh, verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So we're not waiting for works. We are waiting for the Spirit to fill us, for Jesus Christ to fully indwell us because of faith, because of believing God. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You see what happens to people? They learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they're proud to be born again in Christ. And they'll go and sit up under somebody that is not trying to lead them to Jesus to try to bind them to themselves. And the Holy Ghost is not going to stay in an atmosphere like that. He is going to leave because it's like, you know, I can't, I can't speak to you because you'll go to the pastor with everything I tell you. And because his mind is carnal and he doesn't know me, then what is he going to tell you to do? Oh, no, no, brother. You need a 10-step plan to be a part of this and we can work out your problem. And the Holy Ghost said, man, I gave you the answer. I told you what you needed to do. But you sat up under them and believed them. And now the Spirit won't fall on you. We do it to ourselves. So they were running well, the Galatians. Now somebody handed them that they should not obey the truth. Mm -hmm. This persuasion cometh not from him that calleth you, not from Christ. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye, that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you which bear his judgment, 
whosoever he be. Mm -hmm. So this is what happens to people. They like to put you in the same box that they're in. You should see it their way. You should do as they do. And as they are going to be dealing with not having the spirit, guess who else won't be? You too. Why? Because you're not following Christ. The man has become your head. Yep. It says that um, whoever persuaded that person mm -hmm. from Christ, it says, mm -hmm. but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment. That's right. Whosoever he be. Right. Those who, who stopped other people from running well. Absolutely. Yeah, isn't that closely like a, re a reference to um, my little children is better for you to a millstone oh, yeah. about that neck and cast mm -hmm. itself into the sea. Wanting to hold people into bondage. Well, and I tell you what, I just, let's just start. But people really need to take verse 10 to heart because that whoever it could be, so his B could also be those claiming to be pastors. That's right. And it's like if, if they're not careful, then... I know that some pastors today they've accepted money or they've just gotten off track, but that's no excuse, you know. Well, the Lord, we, yeah. No, go ahead. He always said he was going to revisit these things right. and check them out. Right. And you know, he even said the teacher will receive the greater condemnation, the exactly. greater damnation, uh -huh. because you know the truth. And if you call yourself a teacher or everything, man, you better know what you're saying. Because let's just say somebody may sit in here for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And they hear I say something and I said something wrong. And they go and leave. And they act on that. And they end up dying, you know, behind it. Guess who's responsible now? You, you know, because I told them that, well, like in other words, you don't need to repent. Right. You know, once you were in good with the Lord, you were in good with him. Now, you do need to repent. I don't believe that. But I'm saying that if I were to say that and someone went off living, they came in once, never came back, taught that doctrine to others, sinned and didn't repent, believing that God loved them no matter what, which he does. But the fact of the matter is, God and you have to repent before for your sins. They go and die. Guess who's going to pay the price for that? I can't say, well, they didn't have to listen to me and they didn't understand what I meant. Hey, the Lord heard it come out of your mouth. And this is where the problem is going to be dealt with. And I also feel that like the things that people do, mm -hmm. um, they are not they are made known of the things that they do. Mm -hmm. Like they're not just doing things out of in ignorance. I think that somebody will come along and say, Hey, you know what you're doing is persuading people away mm -hmm. from you. So it's I think people just sometimes continue to do out of their mm -hmm. own well, no know, doubt, yeah. Desires mm -hmm. or, But it's up know. to the people also that are listening, that have been there, not just a new person, but the people who are actually listening. It's like, that's why it's like, if you do have the, 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 the spirit, the liberty of the spirit, you can hear something and know, hey, that just, mm -hmm. that doesn't really sound, yes. I need to check that you out. You know what else happens to you too, if you know if you're really led of the spirit, it's just like what we were just reading, uh, when we just went over this passage, James was reading it, I read it, I brought out one point of it, James brought out the point that the Lord gave him, and said, yeah, but it's talking about the judgment uh -huh. of that person will be judged. So he's not just sitting here trying to, you know, be in. He's sitting here reading along as we're reading. And this right. is how the body edifies each other. The same thing. You bring up points that will be key concerning what we're dealing with and what the Lord wants. Exactly. But I'm just saying that's a good example with this about, you know, judging people for, or, or teaching people falsely right. and paying the price behind that. I went for one point, James went for another, and he was right, you know? But it's just, the thing is, is that this is how the Spirit works with us. Exactly.
And if you love the Spirit, it's true. I don't think that you can sit in a place and have the Holy Ghost tell you, that's wrong, get out of here. You know, you need to do whatever. But some people will just sit there and that's why that love doctrine is going to damn a lot of people because it's about being led of the Spirit. It's yeah. not about love. What is God telling you to do? And that's what's most important. Verse 11. And I, brethren, if I uh, preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then as the offense of the cross ceased, I would, I would they were cut off. I mean, they even cut off which trouble you. So Paul's saying, you guys are arguing circumcision or uncircumcision. I'd rather you be castrated. If that's what it takes for us to move on with Christ. That's how simple this is. Verse um, uh, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not the liberty, or use not liberty, for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So you're going to be led of the Spirit to do the righteous things of God. You are not going to be led to enjoying your flesh or doing the things that the flesh wants to do. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say uh, then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when people call themselves stumbling and backsliding and all these different things, they have to understand the only reason that this is happening to you, you're not walking in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason. Even if you're distressed and troubled and all these things are going on, if you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit is going to keep your mind focused on Jesus. Right. Okay, so no matter what you might be feeling externally, Jesus Christ is feeling something else. So you glory in the persecution. You are perplexed. You know, you are distressed. All these things, but you're walking in the Spirit. So this is the liberty of the Spirit is what he calls us to do. Yep. Now, you know, they show the works of the flesh and the, um, the fruit of the Spirit here. And then it talks about, let's go down to verse 24, because I know we go over that enough. But it says, there is no law in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know, uh, meekness, temperance, um, gentleness, and goodness, and faith, okay, and peace. Those things are of the Spirit of God. That's only what God can give us. So verse 24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So whatever your relationship is with Christ, that is what you have with Jesus Christ. I'm not one to tell you how you should pray, if you should do this, if you should do that. When you pray, you need to do this for Jesus. You need to do that. Hey, there's no law concerning love or relationship with Christ. You can have as much of him as you want. But it says for those who walk with Christ, they have crucified the flesh. So the flesh doesn't govern how you walk. Neither does tradition. It is only the spirit. And that's why the, the bottle will break for those who don't follow the spirit. Why? Because the spirit will tell you something. And if you're somewhat carnal... There comes the conflict. Mm -hmm. God, you wouldn't tell me to go to a strip club with this person just to try and get them out of there and win other people to Christ. I cannot believe that God would tell me to do that. You just disobeyed the Spirit. 
Because if you're walking in the Spirit, it doesn't matter where you are. Exactly. You are conscious of Jesus Christ and what the Spirit tells you to do. Exactly. And that, that also, you know what the law also brings? Self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. You start feeling like, man, you're somebody. First, first Peter 2 and, and 13. And then I think we can... Uh, yeah, that's true, because I think I've, I've met a lot of people who, um, I guess they would be considered scholars or people who graduated, and those are the people who, I guess, did things by the book, so to mm -hmm. say, and these are the same people who have, like, a high look, they think they're better than other people, yep. they turn up their nose at other people, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I agree, it's like those people who are, like, under the law, mm -hmm. all of these, like, the blueprint, they so they true, got it, man. think they, they have it all. And the only blueprint that we have is what Jesus Christ has for us, and he's got to live in us. That's the blueprint because it's like, you know, if no one person is created the same, then our walk with him is not going to... I mean, we're going to be under the same, the same, you know, God the Father mm -hmm. and Jesus Christ being our head, but, you know, we all have different things that he wants to do with us. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is the only person capable of living that life that we're speaking of. Yes. Right. So that's why he needs to live in us. Because as long as he, if he does it, right, you know, it, it's the spirit in Jesus. I mean, it'll be, and see, this is why it needs to be this real to a Christian. The law of liberty is to form Jesus in you. It would be like Jesus himself were sitting amongst you or, or, or living in you. The very Jesus that walked the earth 2,000 years ago is back in the spirit within you right. dictating what needs to be. And this is what God wants. That was God's master stroke. Okay, you killed Jesus. Y'all didn't know Jesus was pregnant. Y'all didn't know that Jesus had a spirit that he can give out to everybody. Right. See, the devil did. He wasn't banking on that. He thought, I'll just kill him, and that'll be it. The father said, yeah, go ahead. Kill him. Because from there, I'm going, Jesus is going to sit in the spirit, and you're going to have a bunch of Jesus Christ walking around. Try and stop that. And it can't be done. It's like when you step on a pregnant spider. <laughs> Exactly, and all of them just go scurrying out. Yeah, disgusting, but it's true. All right, so First Peter 2 and verse 13, Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. So this just means not breaking the law, but we're going to understand what this means exactly. Well, unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So as far as the law is concerned, because this is another kind of bondage that a lot of people will want to get you into, well, homosexual marriage is legal, and that's okay. No, it's not okay, because this law is the highest law in the land that speaks against it. So he says to obey them that are sent by me. Now, you know, there's no politician today sent by Christ unless he's allowing them to come in and judge America. Right. Okay, but on top of that, they are going to be in line with what the Bible says, not in the status quo, you know, today's stuff. Yeah, right. It also says, for the Lord's sake. Exactly. So if anyone gets confused, like, oh, we're not, we, I thought we were supposed to be outside of the law, but it says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of men for the Lord's that's sake. That's right. Amen. So that's very important for people to know. Amen. Verse 15, for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So when you do well for the Lord, I mean, you know, some people would say, 
That's just not possible. But there you are, full of Christ, doing God's will, and all these foolish people that don't believe the gifts of the Spirit, don't believe in all these things that God would, through, I mean, will do through us. They will sit back and try and yeah, how that happen. Right. So you put the foolish to silence and know that Jesus Christ is alive. You know, when we do things, we glorify Him. Sixteen as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. So he makes clear that we ought to be servants of God, not using it as a cloak. Well, we're not under Levitical law, so I'm going to go get a few tattoos. Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible talks about. Oh, well, I'm not under the law. I can't be stoned, so I'll go and sleep with a married woman. No, that is not what that is. So the law of liberty people will use as a cloak, and he's saying that ain't going to cover you. I'm seeing right through the cloak at your very heart. And that's why Jesus said even if you look at a woman in lust, you have already committed the act. So there's no point in even not doing it. Okay. You know, in his eyes, and I'm not going to say you might as well, because God wouldn't say that. But the point is, is it would be just as if you did it. Yep. That's what we got to be careful. Let's move quickly. Um, let's see. I'm going to go to uh, Romans chapter 8. And then I want to go to uh, Jude 1. So you can get both of those. I'm going to conclude in Jude. And Romans 8. Now, I mean, I know I love all the all of Romans as a whole. But Romans 8 is, I mean, my favorite. Romans 8 and I think Romans 12. Because it really does tell us where we need to be in Christ. Mm -hmm. But if you're not listening, you'll accept it as, you know, well, that was what they said. But, you know, as Christians, we're being called to a higher place. And this isn't trying to put weight or bondage on somebody. It's to try and make people understand God's got a greater purpose for you. Why should we settle for this? Let's just say you were saved for doing absolutely nothing, but just saying, Lord, I love you, and being nice to people. Okay, now let's just say you were only saved for that purpose. You didn't have to do anything for him. But why would you want to stop there? Right. What's greater than having Jesus formed in you that people can tell, man, so I believe that Jesus was here 2,000 years ago because I see Christ in you. Exactly. Man, he did raise somebody from the dead. I saw it. Now, they may try to lock you up and put you in a nut house, but, you know, for people that saw it would say, yeah, that's what really happened. Mm -hmm. You know, what's greater than that is pursuing him. People will believe Jesus because they believe what they saw him do in you. Exactly. So this is fighting for the faith. This is contending for the faith that others might get saved. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So if you're in Christ Jesus, guess where Jesus Christ is? In you. You know, that's the perfect point. So only Jesus Christ is capable of walking in the spirit, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. So you know this is talking about the law of liberty. This is not Moses' law. Mm -hmm. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. 
So he came to destroy the flesh and the works of the devil that Christ may live in every single believer. So this is the standard. The standard to being a Christian is having Christ formed in you. Mm -hmm. It is not so you can go and do what you want. Exactly. It is so you may walk as Christ walked, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if we were to pay attention to what after the flesh was, I mean, let's be realistic here. After the flesh is anything that the flesh enjoys. Mm -hmm. The flesh doesn't enjoy spiritual things. There are many times I don't feel like coming up here and doing this. There's days I don't feel like going out there and doing that. But the point is, is if you're led by the I'm always glad I did, you know, because the spirit will make you, you know, you feel good being in the spirit. Right. But the flesh, if you think the flesh is just going to sit back and just let you go, you're mistaken. He's right. going to set up whatever he can to stop you. This is why he's saying, man, walk in the spirit. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So if you're into worldly, fleshly things, your mouth tells on you. Your mind talk, it speaks against you. I can sit here and say, I love the Lord all day long. But if all I talk about when I'm with you is worldly things, I am not a believer. Nope. I am not walking in the spirit. I am not of the spirit of God. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And I think this is why when we went back to work, we were feeling so grieved in the spirit, because the carnal mind is God's enemy. In order to function in a carnal world, you have to have a carnal mind. Okay? And, and, and if your mind is carnal six or eight hours a day, however long your shift is. Look at how grieved the Holy Ghost is within you because the Holy Ghost wants to go out and do the will of the Lord. But we are stuck pretending in a world that we know is not even real. But we sit up there and act like we want to talk about basketball because our co-workers talking about it, knowing that it bothers you. You know that your superiors curse in front of you and say dirty, filthy jokes that you know that the spirit is grieved in hearing, doesn't want anything to do with. So this is a conflict behind the believer because you can either submit to that and be okay with it, or you can walk in the spirit or even correct them if need be. Hey, I don't like that kind of talk. I'm not into that. So you see, walking in the spirit in a carnal world is always going to put you in conflict with the carnal world. And this is why people will give up their liberty for safety. When really that liberty is to glorify Jesus Christ. Verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So these are two key things. If Christ be in you, the body is dead. That means you're dead to the world. Mm -hmm. That means you're dead to those things that are carnal, and you are only there for things that are in the spirit. All right? So that is if Christ be fully formed in you. Some of us may have his feet. Some of us may have his hands. Some of us may have half the heart that he has, but we don't fully have the mind. He hasn't been fully formed. And that's why we get grieved at times. Yep. He wants to be fully formed in us. Um, 
Verse 11, sorry. And it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Okay, so we got to understand this in, in 11. If we don't have miracle work and power, if we are not led by the Spirit in all affairs, there is only one reason for it. Christ is not fully formed in us. Mm -hmm. And that means we are shutting off the Spirit with something we are doing in this life. Mm -hmm. It's just a reality check for everybody. But he says if Christ was quickened like he was from the dead, then you should be the exact same way. And if not, it's because you're not dead to the world. Right. You're still alive to it. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. So we don't owe the flesh anything. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye live, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You know, this even goes down to like thinking. And that's why it says a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. How often is it, if we're quickened by the Spirit to answer a question, that's great. But the Lord revealed something to me when Sarah and I, when we were all out there uh, this past Wednesday, that a guy came talking to Sarah. Sarah said to him, you were explaining him. He was an atheist, right? Yeah. He believes in science. He wasn't into all this other stuff. And I heard the conversation going on, thought I would help. I came in, I started bringing these examples up about why you should believe and all these different things. I went on talking. The guy said, okay, and he left. But we supported the Lord boldly. And you know, the Spirit told me, Derek, you didn't even open your Bible. I was trying to point you to Romans 1, but you wouldn't hear it. Why? Because you felt what you needed to be said was going to be a more valid point than going into the Word. If this is the sword of the Spirit that cuts the flesh from the Spirit, then I should have tried to use this in order to contend with the strong man that was holding that man. But you see, this is all a part of being born again because how can I think that my carnal words were equivalent to anything that was in here when the Word says that the Bible doesn't return, I mean, it says the Word of God doesn't return void. So that meant that something would have happened. But somehow I thought by explaining away what I learned was going to be the same. And this is just a point of how if your body isn't dead, that includes your mind, then you can't serve God. Right. Because instead of waiting on the words to hear from the Lord, I acted on, well, you're not a believer. Well, you are going to be a believer after what I say. And after, oh, I'm just as learned as you. You know science, I do too. And guess what? I missed the mark. The Spirit told me, open your Bible, but I didn't even hear it until that guy left. That's something, man. You know, this is something to think about. So true. All right, 14. For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have um, not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but, we, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we really do have to be children in the Lord before him. I mean, if God is really our father and we're not under this yoke of bondage, we should be asking God everything, everything, everything. I don't care how much we know of a scripture in here. Lord, do you have something else for me in Romans 1? Anything that I have not understood, anything that I do not know. Excuse me, Lord, what does this mean? Matter of fact, beyond Lord, because he's talking about that we're under adoption, dead. 
Okay, you can call God the Father dad if you really believe in that relationship. Dad, what does this mean? Father, what do you think that this is going to be? How should I how should I do this? And that's why Jesus said, if you are not as a child, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We truly have to be as children before him. And see, a child in liberty don't stray too far from their parents. Nope. All right, so verse uh, 16, the spirit itself bear witness uh, with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs if, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be we may also glorified together, that we be also glorified together. So joint heirs with Christ. You know you can call Jesus Christ your big brother. See, some people will call that blasphemy. You know why? Those are worldly religious people. But if you truly walk in the Spirit and you believe that God the Father is your Father, and it says here that them that are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, then you can call Jesus Christ your big brother. He is your Lord and Savior. Okay? But the point is, is you've gone into greater intimacy where you're there with Christ. And that's why he came to bring you back. Right. He didn't come to say, all right, you wait out here. I know I brought you into heaven, but you stay behind the veil. I'm going to go talk to my dad about some things. He meant for you and I to come behind the veil. Hey, Dad, this is my new friend. This is uh, Sarah. This is James. This is Derek. I'd like you to meet him. You know, this is uh, in Derek, James, or Sarah. This is my father. This is what he always wanted to be. Adam was the son of God. Adam wasn't some foreigner or the first man that was where we, you and I are. Yeah. A good example of that, I'm so glad you brought that up, was when, remember when Jesus was sitting and the, the people came up to him and said, Jesus, your mother and your brother are outside. Mm -hmm. And he said, who is my mother and brother? And he was pointing to everyone that was in front of mm -hmm. him saying, these are my mother and my brother. Saying, That's right. This is my family right here. That's right. It's not just about a biological thing. It's those that sup with me and those that commune with me. Amen. It is spiritual. And this thing is always bad. Verse 18. For if I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us... For the earnest expectations of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. So God is only waiting. Your very being cries out to be full of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And when people don't even recognize what's going on with them in this world, why are you having so much trouble? Why is this happening? Why do you just feel like no matter what you do, no matter how much you make, nothing gets fixed? Because your very nature, your very being cries to be complete. And what do some people do instead of coming to Christ where they would be complete? Yeah, I'll go to the new age. I'll go to church. I'll find a wife. I'll go and make millions of dollars. I'll get an education. And this is why seminary does cut back a lot of people from the spirit. Because the spirit, the, the seminaries will tell you, man, ain't no gifts of the spirit. That was a long time ago. I'll give you the exact year that the gifts ceased, right after Paul died. Right after that, Everybody has become natural, and we're waiting for Jesus. So you see, the seminary tries to make people natural-minded. Why would you go to college to learn about Christ anyways when, when that's worldly knowledge that instituted it? Exactly. We need revelation, not information. Verse, 20 for the, uh, verse 21, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
So, man, you think you got liberty now? Imagine, you don't even understand how it is with the angels. They obey the Lord, but we're going to be even greater than they in the kingdom to walk in God's liberty. Why? Because we can do no wrong. Jude, Jude 1. But because we can do no wrong, we are truly like Christ. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's why I'm not going to use that term Christian loosely, okay? Because a Christian is like Christ. Yeah, everybody want to be Christian. Okay, sorry. I know we got yeah. to move in here, but some people ask, are you a Christian? It's like, oh, I'm a follower of Christ. And they look at you funny like, I thought it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's not technically the same thing anymore because you can say you're a Christian. It's like, what is that? That's a title. Yeah, that's a religious person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what a Christian is today. It uh, does, um, pardon me, I'll wait. No, no, it's cool. It, it does say in Matthew, um, when the disciples were casting out devils, there was somebody else doing the same thing, and they said, but he doesn't follow us. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, uh, let us get rid of him, and Jesus said, not so. So a lot of us might feel... Um, That's a great point. A lot of us might feel that because this person calls himself this, because this person falls under this label, or categorizes him as, as this, a child of God, a Christian, or Baptist, God cut, Jesus cut the confusion between his disciples, and he says, not so. He who is not against us is for us. Mm-hmm. And he also said, I have many sheep not of this fold. That's right. So you can have Christians over here, you can have Baptists over here, you can have this people over here who don't label themselves or call themselves anything. Mm-hmm. He says, these are all my, my people. You just don't know about them. You haven't seen them yet, but I know them. They're all over here in Alaska, over, all over here in California. You know, who people who don't, who don't call themselves anything, who sit and pray before me all the day long. But, yeah, it's, it's just to cut that confusion to let people know. Don't look to the flesh. Don't look, you know, it's, don't it's look at that. funny James said that because that was going to be a study in two weeks. But, you know, <laughs> I, hey, you know, it's true. And it's just how James is saying that law of liberty. Mm-hmm. The disciples didn't even understand. They didn't even get it. This guy was over there casting out demons just mimicking the apostles. You know, and they were trying to figure out, like, well, what? He's using the name of Jesus to do whatever. Should we stop him? And he said no. That is exactly right, because it is for anyone that believes. Great point. Jude 1 and 1, and it says, And Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, he's also the brother. He's the brother of James. James also was the brother of Jesus Christ. You know, there was Jude, and then there was James. Mm -hmm. Not the James, not uh, John's brother. There were two Jameses, I believe, and then there were... um, there were two Judases, actually, because right. Judas was a brother of Jesus. The James and the other James, the one that wrote the book of James is Jesus' brother. Mm-hmm. The one that wrote Jude is Jesus' brother. The James that um, that is John's brother is died in Acts 4. Is that Zebedee's brother? Yeah. Zebedee's, Zebedee's brother was, was killed um, before um, James could be written. So mm-hmm. that these two Jameses are the brother of Jesus Christ. But yeah, and it says... Um, to them that are sanctified uh, by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ uh, and called. But if you look at one again, it says Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Why did they have to bring up James? Because he knew that they were related. You know, like they were brothers. Of, they weren't obviously Jesus' real brother. They were his earthly brother. Right. But, you know, he elevates the Lord, you know, Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write, excuse me, to write unto you of the common salvation, 
it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So he's talking about the common salvation. See, the reason why salvation is so complex today in the church is because everybody let a lot of false doctrine come in right. and everybody has their own views. But at one point, salvation was common. Yeah. Everyone knew in order to do what needed to be done, yield to the Spirit of God or get to know Christ, fall in love with Jesus, and the Spirit will be imparted unto you. Mm -hmm. You know, but this is it's become foreign today. But look at four. For there are certain men, here they go, crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained uh, to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, these are those men crept in unawares, trying to bring people into bondage and not into the liberty of common salvation. It's now a mystery. Verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord even saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. So you see, you've got to contend for the faith. You've got to remain with Jesus. You can't be with him today and not with him tomorrow. Because he said, yeah, he saved them, gave them their salvation, but they didn't stay in line, so he eventually, he destroyed them. Right. They refused to come into the Spirit, so you can't hang out in the wilderness. Yeah, it, it all makes sense anyway. Like, even if you were, um, let's say that if you were trying to build a relationship with somebody, you would continuously communicate. You wouldn't think like, oh, because I, I live or moved over here, things are still tight, things are still strong. Exactly. continuously continue to sharpen and get better you right. know, get closer yeah it's like having a relationship and then moving on or whatever and then coming back and you don't even talk i mean the next question is who are you right i don't even know who you are women love to do that what have you done for me lately well i bought you that you know i took you out to dinner henry that was three years ago so, you know, you want to be in a, re in a relationship where you are improving. And it's not about dinner, obviously, but what James is explaining and what the Bible's talking about here is more intimacy. Mm -hmm. We cannot remain in the same place, neither could the children of Israel. For the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering of the vengeance of eternal of fire. So, you know, what Sodom and Gomorrah, their sin was, homosexuality. He said fornication, which is the Greek word pornia, which means all types of illicit sexual activity. But then he says going after strange flesh. So we know that it is a flesh that God doesn't recognize of the same spirit. And see, this is why you got some homosexuals that think they can be Christians. This is them trying to use their law of liberty to their occasion to sin. All right, because I know that they don't stone people anymore. So after all, they should be okay now with a homosexual Christian. There's no such thing as a homosexual Christian. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian because they use that term loosely too. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. The Bible makes clear if you're not led of the Spirit or you don't have the Spirit, you don't even belong to Christ. Okay, so that needs to be made clear. Verse 8, Likewise also these filthy dreamers 
defile the flesh, despise dominion, and um, speak evil of dignities. So they don't like to be, you know, in government. They don't like to have a, someone rule over them. They like to, you know, go according to their flesh. Mm -hmm. They will not obey the spirit. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. So you understand, too, that even Michael here, with, with even him being an archangel, he recognized that I have to do everything within the structure of God, everything within not overriding the spirit, okay? Because all an angel has to do to disobey God is one sin, and you're automatically out. Exactly. But I do think that in some ways here, it even shows that the devil had some authority that even Michael remembered. Now, I'm not saying that at this point he had more um, dominion over Michael, or he had um, more rank than Michael. I believe at one point he did. But I think Michael here even acting, okay, the Lord sent me to contend for the body of Moses, but I can't just go according to what I want and pull out my sword and start fighting. Mm -hmm. i got to go according to the authority of what Jesus Christ said. Yes. Verse 10, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. So you see, people who will not be led by the Spirit of God or use that law of liberty righteously, they are brute beasts. Okay? Because you can't reason with a beast. No. Verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perish in the gainsaying, of course. So gainsayers are people that speak against the Bible. So, you know, you go against God, and then you give people supportive arguments against the Bible. That's why you can't be a minister for Christ or a self-proclaimed child of God. And you present yourself before the world that way, and then people see you sneaking out of a motel. Because now you just gave the enemy something to blaspheme God with. See, that's why I don't pay to be a Christian. Look at them. Look at how they act. Why would you want to do that? So you give the gainsayers something to talk about. Instead of saying, hey, I've never seen them corrupt, you know? Verse 12, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So, you know, Jesus said, out of the belly of those who believe will flow rivers of living water. If you have not the water, you have not the spirit. Okay, so these are things that, these are separating the believer from the unbeliever. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame. Wandering stars of whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So notice, he compared the angels, keeping not their first estate. He compared the Israelites out of Egypt, deciding to not follow the Lord and turn back. He, he mentioned the obedience of Michael. He talked about the Sodom and Sodom and Gomorrah. They refused to obey God. But look at this verse again in 13. They are raging waves of the sea. Now, you know, raging waves go any which way that they go. They're without control. Mm -hmm. Then it says, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars. So they will not go in God's government. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So we better understand that law of liberty is to obey the law of the Spirit. Exactly. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, 
Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Ungodly without God. No government. We're still talking to the same people. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So these are people that take advantage of people. They are people that will not obey the Lord. And then it talks about that they are murmurers and complainers. And this is why when you bring up obeying the Spirit and being like Christ, to a Christian that only makes sense. But see, to a carnal mind or an ungodly person, the thing that they're going to do with you is try and rationalize it. Mm -hmm. All right, so you're saying that I can't do this. It's saying obey the Spirit and what the Lord is. Okay, so what can I do? And then you say obey the Spirit of God. Okay, so what you're saying is that I can't do some of the things that I used to do. They have no understanding of obeying the Spirit. Right. It is hard bondage to them. Why? Because a beast will never be like Christ. Nebuchadnezzar had to be broken down and built over that he might believe. But there's no way in the world that someone of a beastly nature is going to do what they want and walk with God. You cannot do that. Nope. You want to be like him so you won't feel like it's burden, burdensome. 17, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you, this was what Peter said, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. So if anybody doesn't, if you run into people that are not believers, you got to recognize it's their own lust is what they don't want to give up. It's nothing personal with you. They don't want to change. They like who they are. That's the only reason. Verse 19, these be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. These are, you know, soul people. If I feel it, I will do it. And that's why when people try and tell you, trust in your heart, I say don't trust in your heart. The Bible says that if you trust in your heart, you can be deceived. So you can't be led by your five senses. You have to be led of the Spirit. So he says these people are sensual. That's another word for soulish, carnal, natural. And God is supernatural. Verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So you want liberty in the Spirit? Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So this is why we need the Lord to open our eyes, because... You see, those people that will tell you or ask you what they can and can't do, those are carnal, worldly people, because if God gives you a revelation to the hopelessness that is in this world, that is in man, this is a failed human tragedy. And when God allows you to see it from that, and your mind and heart is transformed, you want to do the will of God, recognize there are so many in need. Right. You don't even think about you. Verse uh, 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of, of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So we understand that to be led of the Spirit is only going to lead us to do the will of God. Okay, and why some of us have trouble with the will of God is because they are carnal and not spiritual. So you have to get to know Jesus, and little by little, these things will fall out of your life, and you won't use the liberty, or you won't use the flesh as an occasion to sin. The law of liberty is to do the will of God, okay, that we may graciously grow in Christ and in grace, being like him more and more every day. So if you want to use the, the law of liberty for something else, hey, expect yourself to be headed back to Egypt and in the flesh, struggling hard. Because if we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's the lesson for tonight. Um, anybody wants to present, they can. But, you know, we want to do the Lord's will. That's right. So true. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's go to Exodus. I'm going to have us go to a, a few places here. Not long verses, just to, to make the point. But let's go to Exodus 29, 18. Exodus 29 and 18. And thou shalt burn the whole ram upon the altar... It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. All right? And now let's go over to verse 25. And thou shalt receive them of their hands, and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. All right? Then Leviticus 1 and 9. And I'm going to make the point with this verse here. Leviticus 1 and 9. But his innards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar, to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. So, really quick, three key words here are altar, um, fire, and sacrifice. Those are three key words and all three of these scriptures that we that we just read, and as the Lord was giving this to me, it's it's interesting how um, when the children of Israel were under the law, that they were they were actually practicing for what the Lord Jesus Christ would actually do through us when He came back. So at this time, they were having to give a sacrificial lamb. Christ came as a sacrificial lamb. And that we could actually walk as him. So that way we would become the sacrifice. We would place ourselves upon the altar. And that the Holy Ghost, when he works in us, 
He is the fire that burns with us that tells us we need to go out and we need to do the Lord's will. But beforehand, if you look at these three words here, it said that, um, and the priest shall burn on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire. So that lamb in their time was a representation of what Christ would eventually come and do and then do through us. All right, Ezekiel 20 and verse 41. Because in Ezekiel, it sounds, I mean, this changes the whole ballgame here. Ezekiel 20 and what? 41. Alright, Ezekiel 20 41. And now listen to how the context switches here. I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein ye have been scattered. I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. So what is it? What's the transformation that's going on here? It's not a sacrificial lamb anymore. He's saying here, I will work through you. Sanctification. Sanctification, exactly. So it's saying that you will do the works now because I'm not going to be accepting a sacrificial lamb come shortly. I want to do these things through you mm-hmm. to let you know. Yeah, it's not. He's not accepting those things anymore. We will be. He will live in us, and we will be the offering. Exactly. All right, let's go to 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. I mean, 2 Corinthians 2 and 2, verse 14. Are we coming back here? No. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved, in them that perish. So again, it is saying right here that now that we are doing Christ's work, we become the sweet savor. Verse 16, to, to one we are the savor of death unto death, to one we are the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So it is saying here that when we go out and we do the Lord's work, because he's the only one that's sufficient that can do these things through us. Mm-hmm. But now, when he came and became that sacrificial lamb, we are to do the same thing. We are to crucify that flesh on the altar to have the Holy Ghost, which is that fire down from heaven, to work in us. So that's mm-hmm. what the old sacrifice was to represent after Christ came. Mm-hmm. All right, in Ephesians 5 and 2, last thing. Amen. And walk ye in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, as an offering, and as a fra- sacrifice to God, for a sweet-saving smeller. So sweet when people... Sweet-smelling Sweet-smelling savor, thank you. So when it says walk in love, also as Christ has loved us, that we are to walk as Christ. If we want to know something about love, 
We need to walk as Christ walked. Amen. It's not these cushy, ushy-gushy messages that are being presented today. It is letting people know that without Christ, without Jesus Christ in your life, you're going to go to hell. You know, yeah. so that is what it becomes a sacrifice because if we take no thought for our life, if we take no thought for what's going on with us, and we walk only as Christ walked, then it's an inward, outward projection because it comes from Jesus Christ into us and then it flows back out. And that's what the sacrifice then becomes. We're sacrificing ourselves that other people may come to know Jesus that's Christ. Right. So that's Jesus I'm Christ is the hero of the world, yeah. You know, we need him to do the job. But he's going to do it. Okay. Matthew 7. And it came to me that this, this chapter is like a chapter of love, mm-hmm. in, in a way. Starting out in verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For what for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out thy mo- the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So here you have somebody who is thinking to be brotherly to somebody, um, which, which to me, after reading this, uh, is a is a way, in a sense, this chapter is a, in a loving way. You have somebody who is thinking and considering to get the moat out of somebody's eye, but first they got to take care of themselves, get the moat out of their own eye, and then they can help their brother, mm-hmm. which is the the great the second great commandment: mm-hmm. "Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself." Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So that's um, any uh, the things that God gives you, the pearls that God gives you, given into the dogs, they won't appreciate or value what you have. They'll, they'll um, take advantage of you, say that they like and appreciate what you have, but don't, but don't do well with it. Don't take care of it, and then they'll turn again you and, and do the same thing, or, or, or speak against people you. People too, like they'll you know get vicious with you. Mm-hmm. We had that happen. Yeah, yeah. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth 
evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that not every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Because what good is it? If you have good fruit in your um in your fridge and it has gone bad, will you, are you going to eat it? You know, if you're going to eat something rotten, what benefit is it going to do to your body? It won't. It probably make you sick. Mm -hmm. So you probably get rid of it and throw it away. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, in, in the thought, the people that probably has come to Christ saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? They weren't doing it unto Christ. They weren't doing it to get to know him. And they probably, they were just doing it for themselves. They had no relationship with Christ at all. They probably was doing it for their own benefit, thinking that it would probably get into heaven. Mm -hmm. But they, Jesus never knew them. How can you go into a place or expect to go into the place, but you don't know the, the person who built that place? Mm -hmm. yeah. how, can, how can you do that? Amen. And uh, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock, which is Christ, the Son of God. Mm -hmm. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened to a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he, thought, he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Amen. 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 Well, we can go out in prayer now. But, you know, we just need to understand what the law of liberty is. That's right. You know, the law of liberty is the perfect will of God. That's why Romans 12 and 1 says that we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And be not conformed to this world, that we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we may do what that we may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. All right. So from here, let's uh, pray out. Uh, who wants to pray? You got a few prayer requests? Yeah, I do. All right. Good. All right. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight in Jesus' name, and Lord God Almighty, I want to thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given to us, and I want to thank you, Lord, for another opportunity that you've given us to where we can come before you, Lord, in the perfect law of liberty. You, Lord. Lord, it is only by your law of liberty that we are able to go out and do your will, Lord, and to do the things that you've called us to do individually in our lives, Lord. But we cannot be bound by the law of this world, Lord. We cannot be bound by the laws of Satan because they're not freedom, Lord. They will bind us to a life, Lord, and they will cast us into hell. But Lord Jesus Christ, if we give ourselves over to you fully, Lord, and if we are willing to be sanctified under you, Lord Jesus Christ, there is no limit to what you can do through us, Lord. There is no limit. You can call us to go somewhere, and we will go. And we will go in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, God Almighty. And I thank you, Lord, for this. I thank you, Lord, for revealing your scriptures to us. It is a supernatural experience, Lord, 
that you have with us. It's a relationship, Lord, that you have with us that we are to grow in you, Lord Jesus Christ, every single day. You didn't put your Holy Ghost in earthen vessels that we sit around and do nothing, Lord. No, it is that we can go out and that we can tell others about you, Lord Jesus Christ. It is hearing your voice, Lord. It is being those obedient children unto you, Lord. And it is saying to you, Lord, that we are available to you. That we're we're not going to be conformed to this world, Lord. And that we're going to have our thoughts and our feelings in every part of us governed by you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm praying tonight, Lord, whoever's going through whatever circumstances, Lord, because I know that the flesh has got to be crucified every single day, Lord. I know that in my own life that it does because the flesh tries to hold us down. The flesh tries us to go back into the world. And I'm praying tonight, Lord, that we all have an understanding that whatever we're going through, it is not greater than you, Lord Jesus Christ. It is not. Whatever we're going through, Lord, we can come to you. We can cry, Abba, Father. Lord, we can come into you. If you find us worthy, Lord, come in and sup with us. But to know, Lord, that that veil has been torn down, that, Lord, we can come to you. God, direct, we can come to you, Lord, and talk to you. And I'm praying, Lord, that whatever we're going through, Lord Jesus Christ, that we give it all to you, that we lay it down at the foot of the cross. Lord, that we lay down the world at the foot of the cross and that we take up our own cross and to follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, and to go out because it is our walk with you, Lord Jesus Christ, is to the salvation of others. It is that they can come to know the law of liberty that you've given each and every one of us in our lives, Lord. And I'm praying that, that we will do this filled with your Holy Ghost, Lord. I'm praying that we got we not go out of our own selves, but only of you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this gift. Lord, I just I, I want to bless and praise the name of Jesus because you're the only one worthy of all the praise for everything that you set us free from. Yes, and tonight, Lord, I'm also asking and praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be with my friend Christine tonight. Lord God Almighty, I'm praying that you make her strong with everything that she's going through. Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm praying that her father and that her brother were saved, Lord, that they can be with you in heaven, Lord. But I'm praying that you keep her strong through this and keep her a godly woman under you, Lord, for you and for her family. And Lord, I'm also praying for Matthew tonight, Lord Jesus Christ. I know that you can deliver him out of his circumstances, Lord. And I'm praying tonight in the name of Jesus that you bind those devils of drugs, Lord, that they have no more power nor authority over his life, that you deliver him out of that, Lord. I'm praying for Brittany the same, Lord, that you deliver her, Lord, that she can be a godly woman of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Plant a seed in her life, Lord, that she will not live that way anymore, that she will come to you, Lord, and be a daughter of you, Lord, as you want us all to be. And I'm praying for everyone in the ministry tonight, Lord, that you touch each and every one of our lives and that we are willing children and obedient unto you. Lord Jesus Christ, because we are living in a faithless and wicked generation. And I'm praying, Lord, with the time that we have left, because we don't know how much time we have, that we go out and do your will, Lord, called according to your purpose for whatever you've placed in us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty. All men are thought in conversation is going to glorify the name of Jesus. Lord, we are going to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Lord, we are going to take on the full armor of God and keep it on as we press forward into the spiritual warfare. Guide, direct us, lead us into your truth and all truths. Lord, place your shield of protection around us, but set us to that furnace of affliction, Lord, that the flesh can be burned off, and that when we come to the other side, we reflect only you. 
and Jesus Christ, your most holy name, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.